Hi, this is Larry Hama, and you're listening to Star Joe's Podcast. From days of long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. Welcome to Star Joe's Podcast, Episode 72, the crossover with Dark on City. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm Chuck. And welcome back, everyone. And yes, once again, uh, we have some special guests in the in the audience or in, on the show or however you want to phrase it. I don't know. It's been a crazy day, Chuck. It's, it's just a lot of things going on, a lot of stuff happening today. We'll, we'll get into a little bit of it during the show, but... Uh, uh, how are things there for you? Good, good. Everything's well. Uh, why don't you tell the people who the guests are? I will do that. Uh, well, both should be no stranger to the show because we've had had them both on uh, previously, but uh, they are their own team of podcasters as well as comic book creators. We have from G.I. Joe fame and and uh, as well as a, uh, some Marvel projects sprinkled in there. Uh, we have Robert Atkins back on the show. Welcome back, Robert. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, and hey, no problem. And uh, the writer of, if you've been following it, uh, which you should be, uh, Kung Fu Panda, <laughs> as well as a, a writer of a Tales of the TMNT and an avid TMNT. I'm just gonna say a TMNT nut. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> that'd be accurate. <laughs> writer Quinn Johnson, welcome back to the show, Quinn. Thank you very much. So. First off, uh, I figured since we're having you both on, we might as well talk about the the elephant in the in the room uh, <laughs> as to why having both of you on at the same time, which is yeah, they owe me money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. uh, gotta I'm go! <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no! I got you both here. Don't dodge me. <laughs> that was a different Quinn Johnson. That was a different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that was the diet Robert Atkins guy. <laughs> um. No, uh, you guys were had a successful Kickstarter for your uh, Elders of the Runestone. Yeah. So, Thank you, yeah. Thank you very much. 
It was uh I I'm sure you guys were floored. I I was floored at how fast it 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 reached its goal. I mean it yeah. was amazing. Um you guys definitely had a lot of support. Of course you've also had not 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 to break out the ugly stick, but you also had two years of supporting this comic book coming <laughs> out. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. We had that coming. <laughs> I remember listening to to the episodes of your guys' podcast and oh, geez. I don't think yeah. things ever coming out. I just I think it's an excuse for them to do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it should have been the other way around, but uh... yeah, really. Anyway, no, we uh, yeah, we uh, actually uh, so Elders of the Runestone is is uh, the the story, the comic book story that I've been. I, I actually came up with the the first idea when I was in ninth grade, so we were. Not to age myself, but it's been almost 20 years since I've been started working on the story, and so yeah, so it's been a long, long time in coming, and and uh, yeah, so <laughs> like you said, you know, we were doing the Dark on City podcast as a primarily as a way to promote Elders of the Runestone, and we started that what two has it been three years, Robert? Probably. It's been a long, long About time. Three years, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so crazy. But yeah, so so yeah. Yeah, so we totally know where you're coming from. You're like, I don't even think this series really exists. I just think they made it up as a reason to do a podcast. So, yeah. But I, I will say, it, as as excruciating, just out of anticipation, as as excruciating is for was for me as someone that was eager to read it. I'm sure it was that much more <laughs> you guys because you wanted to finally just get it out. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be coming out. So yeah. Yep. Um, thanks to thanks to the awesome supporters we had for for kickstarter yeah it's it's finally coming it makes me makes me really happy so so. yeah i I owe you and by the way quinn i haven't forgotten i know i've been lazy about it but i owe you a script uh oh yes that's right for your for your perusal (laughs) prepare to be dazzled (laughs) (laughs) actually i'm gonna just copy something out of a bag of a playboy magazine (laughs) (laughs) give him a good one yeah well, I figure I, I, I do have an idea that I, much like you, Quinn, I have an idea I've been working on since I was probably about 17 years old. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've done a lot of research and everything else for it, and uh, I've mentioned it to Chuck, So, um, and he, he said, oh, yeah, you got to write that. So, yeah. So I think that's what I'm going to put together. I'm going to give myself a deadline. Within the next two weeks, I will get that to you. Six awesome. months. Translation is six months. No, 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 no. no I uh, uh, well, speaking of goals, um, I I don't know if you guys have, have followed or have seen or have heard that I am actually part of a weight loss challenge right now that actually oh. started today. Nice. Um, and I figure if I can achieve that goal, then I can achieve some of my other goals in life, and one of them was to be a writer. So that's. Um, Good for that, you. That was one of the that was one of the motivating things, not only to help you guys, but that's also why what motivated me to to look at that particular uh, amount and everything else was because I was like, oh, I can have someone take a look at my stuff and tell me if it's crap or not. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> he awesome. He was in it for the prizes. He was in it for the prizes. <laughs> yeah, yeah hopefully, hopefully, Quinn gives you a better critique than that. He's like, it's crap. <laughs> that was not worth the money. That was not worth it. You're like, well, it was so not worth it. I could have told him it was crap. <laughs> well, at least it would be honest feedback. <laughs> oh, no, on, I'm really excited to see it. I'm I'm really excited to to just to. I mean, like, I'm so I'm more excited now that that you said you've been working on it for so long. So, 
And uh, yeah, so send it my way. Oh, and I, I do want to say thank you so much for for you guys for supporting for supporting uh, the the our Kickstarter program. That really means a lot that you guys would do that. So thank oh, you very much. very welcome. I think Chuck and I are both eager to to finally see it come to fruition and everything else. So I, I just want to get it in my hand and turn the pages. Yeah. <laughs> well, what uh, actually the the uh, schedule or plan at least for right now, what we know for sure is that the first issue will be done uh, as a digital format by August, which is just part of the Kickstarter right. like rewards deadline. So um, we've got basically most of the issue is, uh, you know, it's just about finished pencil. Then we've got, you know, the Juan Castro, my inker on Snake Eyes, is uh, is inking the majority of the book. We have a few other inkers towards the beginning just because it has been such a, a long well, project in the making. Yeah. We've gone through a few inkers. and uh, But Juan will be, he's right behind me on those pencils and and bob pedroza is our colorist and he's uh been turning the last few pages recently and so uh kind of catching up with where we're at so yep. we've just got you know just about a a week's worth of pages for me to finish up and then uh so we should have that available in august so at least everybody can get a look at the kind of that first double-sized first issue uh for people who pledged and like that was a you know part of the reward right. is you'll get that that book so and i will say i was very eager when i got that email uh and saw oh august i was like okay now i have a deadline now i have <laughs> i have a, i have a date that i know i can look forward to seeing this now so I know, yeah and i saw i saw it and i was like oh crap august this year <laughs> yeah, i know well that's that's the other thing too i was like wait they didn't put a year on here <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Sneaky. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we're t- is there an estimated, a rough estimated date as far as when the print copy might be seeing like store shelves and everything? Or yeah, oh. that's uh, we're shooting for January for that. Um, oh. That's it's kind of the tentative date we've put out to our, to specifically to our, our Kickstarter uh, backers. But uh, but yeah, well, kind of what we want to do, and th- this is all subject to change. But the plan right now is we're really looking at at releasing the book uh, as far as single issues. To release those in digital format, and that'll be the primary um, primary way we're going to distribute the, the individual issues. It just seems to make sense with with the way that the comic book business is working uh, in, in in you know modern times, uh, just with the way that's kind of you know electronic uh, distribution has kind of changed a lot um, of the industry. And, and then, uh, but but that there are people out there, including myself, who who really like to have the collected. You know the full collected four issue story uh, in a in a um, in a format that they can sit down and hold and turn the pages and put on their shelf and and so uh, so the plan right now is to collect those individual issues into into four issue graphic novels as you know every time we get four or more issues of the story done then we'll collect them into graphic novels and release them in that format so the first four issue graphic novel um, the the plan right now is to release that in January so awesome. yeah. great sounds good. And, you know, I was thinking, uh, I just recently did a convention down in St. Louis, just a two-day show, and uh, my brother, Brian, um, he actually worked on this book that him and a writer got together. It's just a kind of creator-owned idea. It was like a one-shot, 36-page book, uh, just kind of a one-and-done, and they did it, and they self-published it. I think there's, you know, there's always the uh, option of using Kablam, which is like a low-print run right. uh, company, and then there's... A new startup company, I believe in Ohio. I'm not sure exactly where, but they uh, they're doing it also. So they uh, got like I don't think it was maybe 100 or 200 books printed, and he went down to the show and they sold like half of them, half of what they had. So just at that show, and and oh, nice. that worked okay. out really well. So 
don't know. We, we'll kick around ideas. And I was thinking, too, what we might do specifically for those who have supported the Kickstarter. And, you know, this is me and Quinn haven't talked about this. Hey, Quinn, guess what? No. <laughs> um, but I don't know. But, I mean, we might look into options, too, where we might just print a very small print run for the separate issues for those who have an inch, like a print on demand. You know what I mean? Mm, like, so if okay. somebody's like, ooh, I want the issue separately because that's how I collect books and that's how I want to follow your stuff. There are, luckily, there are options now to do that. And because it wouldn't be a large print run, we wouldn't need to go through Diamond or distributors or anything like that. Right. And it would just be for people who follow the podcast, for, pe- for people who know us, or for people that have supported the Kickstarter. Like, it's neat to see how many options there are now for creating your own book and putting it out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's amazing. Um, and that's one of the... Uh, I've talked with some people in the past. I was like, you know, you know, comics have gone through their golden age, but I said, I almost feel like today is, is a comics golden age because there is so many, like if you like anything, there is a comic out there for you. And there is a method of getting that comic that is right for you. Yeah. That, and, and anyone that has an idea, you know, a good idea. I mean, there's, yeah, there's bad ones out there, but, <laughs> but even the bad ones can, can get out there a lot easier today than, than they ever could before. Yeah. And I yep. think that'll just increase. I mean, especially with the digital format yeah. and, and the way the industry's moving, like that will be, become easier and easier with like doing your own web comic and then collecting it and, or distributing it digitally. Yeah. It's, it'll just increase more and more, which is, I think offers a, a yeah, like you said, a more diverse, kind of field for to hopefully to try and get people on board you know yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely um and for those that maybe hadn't heard us talk previously about uh the whole uh elders of the runestone why the podcast is called dark on city all that type of stuff can you guys give us just either one of you or both of you you know do the whole tomac zamot thing where you finish each other's sentences <laughs> you bet. just give us an idea of, of what uh elder of the runestone is yeah uh don't robert do you want me to start this off yeah but don't just don't get punched in the face or i might feel it <laughs> okay all right uh okay so the, the the basic um story of elders of the runestone is it centers around these five kids in high school um they're all from very different backgrounds uh you know some are popular some aren't um, their family situations are all very different. You know, there's one kind of the the main character out of the five main characters is Scott, and and he's kind of the the new kid at this high school. So you kind of meet a lot of the other characters through him. But he, uh, you find out that he has uh, his mother has recently passed well passed away within the last couple of years, and that's one of the reasons why they're moving. And his dad has gotten remarried, and so he's uh, and he's a real religious guy. So he's just he's just a good solid guy trying to find his way in life and trying to figure out what his purpose in life is, and and that's kind of where he's at when he moves into the story. And then you meet these other characters through him that all have their own stories, and and uh, and so they basically end up you know very soon into the story they end up getting superhuman abilities. They find this rune stone. I won't ruin too much of of all the stuff that happens, but but they they end up getting these superhuman abilities, and uh, and so in a way they're kind of forced to become friends. They're forced to work together to figure out what the heck is going on. You know what is this rune stone? Why did they get these powers? Um, and they kind of get the impression very you know they kind of get the idea very quickly that these powers are so. Uh, refined that 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 it's it's not really feasible that they're just random effects you know that there there was a greater design with this whole thing but what that greater design was and who was behind it they don't know and so so they're they basically are forced to work together to figure out what's going on and while that's all happening um they come up against some very uh very 
scary bad guys that that uh that are basically trying to tear the city apart and everyone's got their own motivation they come up against um you know a very like one of the first foes they fight early on is a is a there's a guy named smiley who's just a homicidal maniac he's basically a an homage to you know jason and michael myers and and all the all the slasher movie guys that scared the crap out of me when i was a kid and and uh and i, and I will say when i first saw the image of him i immediately fall in love with him as, as a character i was like oh he's gonna be fun yeah so it's just fun, you know, and, and so uh, so they come up against him, and he's got this gang of psychopaths that also wear these creepy smiling skull masks, and they, they fight them, and then, they, you know, there's some other more gang-related guys, and, and then they come up against a guy called the Monolith, who who is very, very powerful, and and, uh, and they find out that he actually, his origin is linked to theirs, and he actually knows more about what's really going on with them than they do. So, so, so it's, you know, we wanted to take the approach that, yes, these are teenagers, but but that doesn't mean... That the the story is going to be sugar coated. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of like PG thirteen in in feel and content, but 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 you know, but just because they're teenagers doesn't mean it's it's kind of like a a cheesy, silly Disney you know channel type of you know series. Like they, the bad guys they come up against are very deadly and very ruthless, and and the challenges that they face both physically as well as you know mentally and emotionally and psychologically as they come up against these guys and, and just against the the challenges they're facing are, are very real and, and something that will test them to their limits pretty much. So, so lots of action, you know, there's martial arts, there's supernatural stuff, there's horror, there's romance and, you know, really deep character drama and pretty, pretty much everything I've ever wanted in a comic book we've, we've put into this story. So I'm very, very excited about it. Yeah, sorry, Robert, I kind of told the whole thing. Do you have anything you wanted to add to that? <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to add, Robert? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's going to tell the whole story, but you might as well throw something in there. <laughs> Um, no, it's been, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's been a long time in, in the making and we've, uh, it's been an interesting kind of learning process. Uh, I think probably the best advice I could give somebody who is wanting to kind of create their own project or do this kind of thing is, is you have to pick your collaborators you to be smart about who you work with. And I think one of the things that's has kept this thing alive for so long, even though you know we've been struggling to kind of get the book out was just that me and Quinn are both really good friends and we, uh, communicate and we're really honest with each other and um and there's been times where it could have i could see how it could have easily fallen apart if if people were out there just in it for themselves kind of a situation and um so i mean it's i've been a part of other projects too that were kind of just startup creator-owned projects and they fell through a lot of them fell through and for a lot of different reasons either because there wasn't the capital or there wasn't communication or all of these other kind of common reasons but they don't um, want to work with you anymore yeah they, they thought i was a jerk <laughs> they call me anymore you quit insulted their me. family i don't know <laughs> you took their family hostage yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's been it's been an interesting experience and, and it's been a lot of fun it's whenever i get a chance to get back on runestone pages i always get really excited and kind of get catch that that bug you know or just catch that really cool excitement when you're working on something that you're a part of creating yourself yeah. and it's it is a different it is it's interesting how it's such a different vibe than when i'm working on projects that i mean i really obviously enjoy gi joe i love it um but it's a different feel it's yeah. when you're working on something that you're have a hand in creating well the, the thing that in, the thing that has me interested with it a lot too is is that i think you guys took the right elements of characters and you don't which i i think you know relating to what you were just saying robert with with gi joe is you don't have a bunch of characters that are all from the same clique being mm-hmm. forced to work together. These are like 
there's the smart one, there's the jock, there's the, the quiet one. Like they're all being forced to be together, which is obviously going to cause some interesting dynamics. It's going to cause some conflicts just in the group itself, which has always been the the right formula for good drama and good, mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. Uh, stories because the stories, you know, yes, while it's about beating up the bad guys and everything else, that's not what keeps someone wanting to come back. It's learning about these characters and their conflicts with each other and, and their conflicts with themselves and, and things like that. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely like a, you know, a kind of a breakfast club type approach to, yeah. to this main cast. But it what's also what it, I really enjoy about Quinn's script is is how focused on character it is. I mean, there's a lot of these stereotypes you see, and on face value, all of these characters fit that stereotype. Uh, but then as you get to know them, I think in just like real life, you know, as life, you get to yeah. know somebody, you understand what their motivations were for being, you know, fitting that stereotype, or or do they really fit that mold or not when you get to know them, you know, yeah. kind of deep down. And then another thing, too, is like, I think, I don't know that people realize, Quinn has written at least four years worth of scripts. Like if I started today and was working on this full time, I would, I would not be done with it until 2000, 2016. Like I would not <laughs> just, just drawing the scripts he's already written. So, nice. and I've read through these and, uh, I mean, just fully you know detailed scripts and it's, so it's, it's going pre- somewhere. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, there, there is, well. there is a major arc and he's done a good job too of, uh, you know, capping out each kind of arc and uh you know you feel like there's kind of closure some suspense and you but you could see that there there's more story to be explored you know if if uh if we get if we keep going with it and so you know if we if i look at the characters 4 years from now with the positions they're in it it really blows my mind how complex these characters are enough to allow for that much story to be told and and I'm, and he's you know still going and so uh, we've yeah. got a lot of work to do. <laughs> it's like Quinn, slow down, slow down. <laughs> yeah, it well, just it just proves to me more and more that it's 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 a quicker job to write than to draw <laughs> well, these true. books out. I'm like, oh, okay. well, unless you like, really take your time in in writing out that A and the and the L. <laughs> <laughs> so. I will say something too. There's something that you said, Robert, that made me kind of think about something. Um, but but like what? Okay, well, like what Robert said, how you know, what we when when I've created these characters, like you said, I've tried to take them past their their you know like you said you look at them you're like oh i've seen this character a bazillion times before you know the jock character or the cheerleader character or whatever and uh and and tried to take them you know make them a lot deeper than that like the more you get to know them the deeper they are and i guess the best way i can kind of explain it is i had kind of a a life-changing experience um when i was in grade school there was this this kid that was kind of the bully and and he bullied you know me a little bit but he bullied some other kids and pretty much he was the terror you know and and if every year i remember i i would just be like please 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 let him not be in my class this year and then he was and i'm like oh i don't know if i can survive another year and um and so he was just this terror you know but it was really interesting because my mom my, my mom actually passed away when i was 12 from leukemia and so so scott my character Scott is in some ways is, is very closely based on my experiences. Um, and, uh, and I just remember that, you know, I was in sixth grade at the time and I was just walking down the hall, going to class or whatever. And some other random kid was start teasing me about something. And, and then this, this kid who was this bully for so many years immediately was like, Hey man, his mom just died. Just, you know, be nice to him. And the guy's like, Oh, I'm really sorry. And at that point on things were different between me and this kid. And we actually became friends. Okay. And it was really interesting just that people, 
people can change, you know, and, and, and they may be a certain way for a while, but, but that doesn't mean that that's who they're always going to be. And, and, you know, and when we can, we can become better than what we are. And if we just try to see people with those eyes, then it's a lot easier to. At first, at first I thought the bully was going to be Chuck, but then you told me he had like a heart of gold. (laughs) Was was the bully Robert? (laughs) And that's how me and Quinn met. No, no, his name was Bobby. Wait a second. No. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, no, I, it, I mean, it's one of those things like you're all, like you said, you're always surprised by someone. It's like, you know, you, you meet the biker with the, you know, tattoos and piercings and, and everything else. And the next thing you know, you find, you talk to him a little bit, and you find out he likes gardening. It's like, yeah, exactly. You know, there's, there's all, everyone isn't w- what they are, like you said, on the surface level and everything else. And, and obviously the bully that you had, he, he had, you know, I don't want to say it, it's almost like a, honor among thieves or a code, you know, that he followed. Like, yeah, yeah, I bully people, but there's a limit. There's a place that I will stop. And, yeah. you know, so at least, he, at least he wasn't a jerk to you. Like he didn't pile it on on top of it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And that's why it was so profound to me, you know? Oh, and sure. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it was cool. Um, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we will, uh, you know, once we know the book's coming out and everything, I know what, I know we will promote it on the show, and and uh, when I get to read that digital copy, I'm sure I will be able to speak more edu- without giving everything away to our listeners. I will I will certainly let them know what to be expecting, and, and yeah, um, yeah, just lo- I'm looking really looking forward to it. Um, thank you, and thank you so much for all the promotion you've done already for us. Oh, you guys are totally awesome to do that. No so problem. that's well, it, it's kind of yeah, it's one of those things like we when we just recently our last episode we just talked to Mike Costa and he said that he didn't, uh, and we also talked with uh, Shannon Gallant, not to drop names or anything like that. Ryan's but, like a dr- name drop, right? Right. <laughs> Wait, let me let me pick that up again. Oh, there, yeah, I dropped that name. Yeah. Um, no, but they both, yeah, we're we're big time now. Yeah, <laughs> they they both didn't realize like what type of community there was with podcasters, not just you know the the community that there is between comic creators, but they were both surprised like how much we interact with other podcasters. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, it's kind of the same thing. Like you're there to support each other, and you know, as much as you guys are are comic creators, you guys are also fellow podcasters. And you know, if you have something that's out there that that we feel like we can get behind, then, you know, of course we're going to support it any way we can. So cool. Thank you. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So to get on to some more, some other, I shouldn't, some fun things, some other fun things that are out there right now. Um, I know it, it seems like the obvious route to talk to Robert first, but Robert, you're just going to have to sit there for a little bit because I want, right. I want to talk to Quinn. No, you could, no, you could, <laughs> no, you could both jump in on this. Um, which is I Quinn I I'm almost certain you would be following this which is I I just want to get your thoughts on the current run of Turtles. Okay. Are you are you reading it now or I am. I am. Okay. Yep. Uh well, I will say uh when I started off, when I started off reading the first couple issues, I was like, okay, okay, you know. And it it just it wasn't pulling me in super at the beginning because they did they have made some pretty major changes to to the uh, just the origin of the turtles and that kind of a thing. I don't know if I can. I, I guess I could probably just share details, can't I? I guess at this point, oh, yeah. it's like a bit sort of. Spoil all the stuff all the time, so go okay. ahead. Okay, <laughs> but just the the whole idea that that the turtles were have only been mutant turtles for like a year now. I think is kind of what they said. So they're teenagers, but they've only been mutant turtles for about a year. And uh, and so I was like, whoa, how's that going to work? You know, how'd they learn martial arts? And then and then you find out that they were created in Baxter Stockman's. Um, 
military research lab, basically, and and you kind of get like as the story goes on, they kind of reveal that 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 they were kind of developed and mutate or they were kind of being experimented on to create a kind of like a natural body armor. Yeah, for for super soldiers is the idea, and so I was like, well, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, Parapin programmer. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But as this as the story built, you know, as they as they built the story, I was like, man, I am really getting into this, and I'm and I'm really uh, like I so so now I love the series, I really love what they've done with it, and then they've done like they've done a really good job of of uh, bringing in all the elements of the different versions of the turtles, you know, from the '80s cartoon to the old comics to the cartoons to whatever, um, and and kind of taking the the good stuff from all those and putting it all together into a new story, while at the same time. Not just being a slave of everything that's gone before, and you know, heavy on like they have to do a little homage every two seconds. Where you're like, okay, you know, really, I, yeah. that's too much, you know. Um, and they've been able to to package it all into a cool new direction. Um, and I really, really like when they finally reveal like how the turtles have been able to pick up ninjutsu so quickly, and you know, they reveal that 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 they actually tie it into feudal Japan with feudal yes. ninjas. And I was like, that's awesome. And and yeah. so basically, that Oroku or that uh, Hamato Yoshi. Um, was this amazing ninja master that lived back in the feudal times and had four sons that he was teaching ninjutsu to. And then they were murdered by the shredder, Orokusaki, yeah. and then reincarnated as the turtles and splinter, basically. Um, so I thought that was a really, really cool way to go because it, you know, A, explains the turtles, how they have abilities. You know, B, explains why they have such a close father-son relationship with splinter. And then C, kind of has this whole epic down-through-the-ages rivalry with the shredder. Um, and, uh, and and it's cool too because like Donatello is like he's like I don't know if I believe that story you know him being Donatello right. the science and, guy right yeah. exactly but Leonardo being more kind of in tune with that kind of thing is like you know I have dreams sometimes where I remember my mother and His mom yeah yeah so it's just cool how they've kind of like well I, I'm glad that you you like that aspect of because that's one of, that's one of the elements like I think uh, that Chuck and I differ a little bit I, I think Chuck's liked it but it's not necessarily his cup of cup of tea the whole reincarnation thing yeah. am i right in saying that chuck or yeah okay. yeah that's 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 true okay i i like it i'm digging it i'm reading yeah. it I, I enjoy it but i i would have went the uh traditional route i guess of the origin story but it, it's good sure yeah no i know you're enjoying it i just didn't want to speak for you but you know uh robert are you reading it at all or um, no, I, I'm not. I was going to, I mean, I'm, See, I'm that's why I didn't a, ask you. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of a trade waiter. So I don't know if the first yeah. trades come out. It probably has, but I'm, I'm going to be yeah. looking. At that, yeah. So. The first trade is out. Um, the second one was solicited. Okay. Um, okay. yeah. It, yeah. So I'll, I'll pick those up and I mean, it's, yeah, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of it. So I just, as yeah. soon as it comes out like that, I'll, I'll, I'll probably pick it up, uh, when I'm at the convention in a couple weeks. Yeah. And I, I am I a lot first, more, I'm sorry, go ahead, Chuck. I believe the first trade only has like four or five issues in it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say that I am, uh, and I heard you guys talk about it a little bit on on your guys' show, but I am a little bit more relieved uh, now. Hearing the movie direction is not going to be directly that they're aliens; that it's, <laughs> yeah. like it's more like the mutagen is an alien re- uh, sort of source. Yeah, um, which is fine with me because that's a little bit more in line with what it was originally, anyways. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so. Well, I mean, but I don't, I don't put a lot of stock in. Okay, for one thing, with Michael Bay, I mean, he's the producer; he's not the director, so he's right. just out there trying to hype the movie, and and it, I could see it very easily. He's just <laughs> looking for a good. And get people to talk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think he did it on purpose. I think he just, you yeah. know, it, he doesn't know exactly what he's talking about, and so he just, you know, he's just looking for a good soundbite, 
uh, man, this is so awesome. You should check it out. These aliens come down and, you know, yeah. and, and it just kind of slips and then everything blows up. But at the same time, um, I don't, I don't put a lot of stock in, in him giving any fan service. I mean, cause yeah. he does not, he, honestly, he does not care about the fan base. What he no, cares we about learned that we learned that in Transformers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> and he, no, he has said that. I mean, yeah, especially, uh, listening to the Michael Bell, uh, interview that was on what's on Joe mind, you mm-hmm. know, kind of like his experience. It's the guy who is the voice of Duke in the right. cartoon. Oh, and he, I guess he right. had some talks with Michael Bell about just, uh, Hey, you know, couldn't I be just like a bum on the street or something? Or, you know, all of us voice actors, you know, we're, we're still acting and we're all around and it'd be cool. Just fan service. He's like, I don't even, I'm not even looking at, to get a job. He's like, I don't care about the money. I just think it would be cool to be a part of, yeah. you know, a project that we were such a big part of earlier. But, and um, those are the people that I would want involved. Like I yeah. want, I want fans involved because I feel like they're going to do it right. Like to me, that's why Avengers did so well is because Whedon is a fan. He is a comic book. He's done comic books himself. He is a yeah. fan of that genre, so he wanted to make sure it was done right. Um, I mean, how cool would it be to, like, I know Chuck would have a total nerdgasm if, like, you're watching the new G.I. Joe movie and there was just, like, a phone call and you just heard Duke's voice. Oh, man, the yeah. Cartoon. Exactly. It'd be awesome, yeah. Yeah, it'd be really cool, so... You know, well, I was listening to the, uh, not to cut you off, but I was listening no. to the uh, Flag Points podcast, and they interviewed the voice actor who did Flint. And he actually called um, Paramount, Hasbro, you know, to see if he could actually you know, lend a helping hand and help out. And he's like, you know, I was the voice of Flint, I, you know, voiced one of the characters, and they, they weren't interested, so. Yeah, why, why you wouldn't want them, at least just as consultants or just like someone you could pick up a phone and just say, Hey, we're not going to be on the set, but we might call you every once in a while just to kind of pick your brain a little bit. I think that I would want to do that as a, a producer. Cause yeah, you want it to appeal to the masses, but your, your main fan base are the ones that are going to definitely see the movie and you want to definitely yeah. appease them. Yeah. So I don't know. It's yeah, that main fan. Sure. It's that main fan base too, that if they go and they're disappointed, they would like avidly yeah, dog destroy, the movie, yeah. you know what I mean? And like go on all the social media sites and just like, you know, and down it, you know what yeah. I mean? Because, because you haven't kind of, uh, yeah, I oh, just heard that's, on, that's the reason we have the word Bayformers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's because fans were not happy with it. So they made a new name for it. I just heard on, uh, no apologies podcast where, uh, they were talking about with the, the, the star Wars movie about how, you know, people were going to, the Phantom Menace, how it was, came out in 3D, and, and uh, Daryl Taylor was saying, he says, and I know there's people that went out there to see the movie just so that they could go on the blo- on their blogs and bash it again. <laughs> so, like, so, like you said, the fan base is, is eager to, uh, I mean, unfortunately, because, uh, I mean, we're, we try not to be that way at all, and I know a lot of other podcasters try not to be that way, but there are podcasters and there's bloggers and everything else that are eager to tear apart the things that they they used to love because they don't think it was done the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you would think you'd want people involved that are fans that were involved with the properties previously, especially if they're eager to do it, if they're willing to help. And like you said, they're, they don't care about a paycheck or something like that. They just want to see it done right. So yeah, yeah. It, would, it would make perfect sense to me. But again, I'm not the guy in charge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, although I will say, and I'm going to go on a limb here, I'm going to set myself up to be 
torn down. But uh, <laughs> but but there's a small part of me, like all that is, you know, all that being said, because I'm about this new Ninja Turtles movie. I'm very, you know, kind of like, okay, what's going to happen with this? And when you know, when it was announced there could be aliens, I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And just like everybody else was. And but but there's part of me too. There's part of me too that's like. In all honesty, I have seen lots of different versions of the Turtles my whole life, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of curious to see yeah. what a totally new take on the Turtles would look like. I mean, because we have seen the origin story done in, you know, with slight variations in the comic book and then in the follow-up cartoons and then in the movie, which are all, I thought, were very well done for the most part. Um, and so there's this part of me that's like, do we, do we really need to see the exact same story done again, but with better special effects? Because I'm what? honestly a little curious what? to see what's going to happen with... <laughs> Well, you know, again, again. How this is dare just... you? <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's, just, it's a small part of me. It's a small part of me. But part of me is just like, I'm really curious to see what would happen if someone totally reimagined it. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just well, curious. Well, and, to see what and a good example, at least for me, is the Spider-Man movie that's coming out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, when I first saw images of it, I was dead set against it. I was like, we don't need a new reboot. I hate the way the costume looks. I don't know how this is going to work out. And slowly but surely as things have come out, I'm at a point now where I'm like, I'm excited and I feel like this might be the best Spider-Man movie yet. I'm the same way, same way, same exact experience. Yeah, because I mean, I feel like they finally have the Spider-Man character, right? At least from the clips I've seen where he has those funny quips and that's how he's dealing with the, a bad situation and and everything else, and it looks like it's going to be really dramatic. So now I'm actually eager to go see the movie, whereas probably a year ago I was like, there's no way I'm going to the theater to see that. And I I feel like Turtles might be the same way. Like, as more stuff comes out, is going to help me to decide, is this the Turtles movie that I want to go see? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, two things. I was going to go see Spider-Man regardless, because that's my favorite superhero (laughs) character. (laughs) So it could be crap, and I was going to go see it. I was going to see it anyway. Uh Part two on the Ninja Turtles. All I really need in the movie is some Go Ninja. That's all I need. <laughs> go Ninja. Go He's a simple man. That's all I need, and I'm happy. I'll eat my popcorn. I'll, I'll sing Go Ninja, and I'll be happy. <laughs> yeah, if they're if they're really gonna pay fan service, we need a Vanilla Ice cameo. I think if, yeah. if oh, anybody yeah. so well. nice, nice. I'll take a vanilla ice cameo. I don't know if I can handle another go ninja. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> Let me put it this way. If it's playing like on a jukebox in the background or something like that, then that would be great. That would be <laughs> no, what, what, or, uh, or the old theme song, the T-U-R-T-L. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I still get goosebumps when I hear that song. I'm like, yeah. Nice. I, bet, I bet Quinn could rap it for us right now. Oh, I actually could. could. <laughs> <laughs> Um, me too? <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> um, not sure. <laughs> I don't think it might be a good idea. <laughs> no, you're probably right. Um, also, I wanted to kind of just get an idea with uh, from from you, Quinn, since you said you are collecting the, the current run. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, there's been a lot of other things that have been coming out, and I'm just kind of curious how much of it you're you are collecting currently. Um, have you picked up at all any of the the hardcover editions of the original run? You know, I haven't. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of one of those efficient guys. That I'm like, you know, I actually already own a, ver- <laughs> a version of it. So, so, I, I mean, for me, I, I don't, cl- I collect for the story. I don't collect, yeah, for for the the different versions of it. I mean, that's just how I am. No. So I haven't. I haven't picked up all the other ones. Um, but I think it's super cool they're doing it to give people who never had the chance to, you know, people who, who 
it may not be feasible for them to dig out and, and find all the individual issues all over the years to have it all in one awesome volume. I'm, I think that's super cool they're doing that. Yeah, I remember we were at a convention. Oh, man, this was a while back, maybe 2006 or something. Five, I we're, think. 2005. You came with me to Chicago back yeah. when the Wizard Wizard trip was still good. And uh, you were, like, digging through those dollar bins, man. You were just, like, and you came back with a handful of them and just, <laughs> like, a little yeah. schoolgirl is about the only way I could... <laughs> Describe well, school boy like, oh, is fine. No, definitely this high squeaky voice was in the school. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, there's no shame in that. There is no, no shame in that. No, not at all. Well, well no, but, and yeah, exactly true. what you were saying is the reason I am getting the hardcovers because I didn't have the chance to collect the series when it came out, and uh, and I haven't really done a whole lot to try to collect the the series. So I was like, well, this is a perfect chance for me to to really get these issues. I will say the only thing I'm disappointed on is um, in the second, I think it's the second volume. There are like one or two issues that are not in the collection, and I was, I don't know why. Is um, it issue eight, probably. I think so. Yeah, because issue eight, that's what I know specifically. That was where they had a crossover with uh, Dave Sims, uh, Cerberus the Aardvark. Oh, okay, Cerberus the Aardvark, and uh, and so that's always just kind of been like a, a point of okay, can the, and this is before Peter Laird like sold all the rights, and he was talking right. about doing a collection back in the day, and okay. And he was even talking about the sticky complications of whether or not, like he was even talking about back, you know, again, this is several years ago when he was talking about doing it, but he was talking about totally redrawing issue eight without you know, Cerebus in there okay. just to avoid any future problems with yeah. ownership. And, I know that happened with Spawn also because I was collecting the trades yeah. of Spawn and it didn't have, I think, issue number 13, which had Cerebus also. Yeah. And I actually found that issue because I was like, well, I want to see what oh, this man. issue is that's missing. So. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, that brings back the memories. I was actually just, um, I was kind of, I forget what I was doing. I was, it just kind of a weird, uh, you know, kind of, I, I wanted to start looking through some old image books, like the old, like, Wildcats and Spawn <laughs> and Cyber Force, all that stuff. And I pulled up, um, like, a Wildcats picture and put just had it on the, as a desktop on my on my uh, computer and my son Connor who's way into superheroes he's like who are all these superheroes and I'm like oh <laughs> and I was just like because that's Sit when I lap, young child because <laughs> I was like that's when I got into comics like I, I remember some specific issues from back in the late 80s uh, like early X-Men a couple Iron Man comics but for the most part I didn't really start collecting comics until like literally the first and second issues of a lot of the um... <laughs> in fact the first couple of issues I can remember buying with my own money that I went to a comic shop to buy was Cyber Force number two and Supreme number two, which is nice. ridiculously <laughs> embarrassing to say. But like, um, yes, Anna, yes, I just I know, but I just remember that whole, especially bringing up Spawn, like that just brings up so much like nostalgic. Oh like, yeah, just remember that <laughs> as a kid. And, well, and I, that I was another series that I I didn't collect when it was coming out, and I was like, well, I've heard Spawn's good, and I so I got the trades. I got trades up to I think issue number fifty or something like that, and I've wow. been told like that's really all you need to collect up to because it, I've heard it starts getting bad. I don't know, but um, but yeah, and that was the one issue that was missing, and I'm like, well, I gotta find this issue now. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Now. The other thing that's come out, and I assume you're probably not getting this also because, again, going back to what you were saying before, but yeah. have you seen the color editions that are coming out, the single-issue color editions? Oh, no. I yeah. didn't hear about that. Um, uh, and I have also not collected those. <laughs> <laughs> I only have gotten the first issue so far, but what they, they're they doing on top of the hardcovers is they're releasing every month 
a uh, the issues in order of the original run, but now they're colored. They're wow. colored editions. So they're um, single issues. They're really single, single, single issues. issues? Yeah, single, single issues are colored. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're the full size, you know, issues. So like, I got the first one, and I think it was like I want to say it was three fifty or three ninety nine or something like that. I didn't pay that because I got DCBS, but um, but it was the full size thick. I mean, it was thick for that first issue. And yeah, it's all colored rather than being in black and white and everything. Wow. So, um, Which is interesting because like you know because they did the comics at, you know black and white obviously everyone yeah. knows they did the black and whites originally for a long time and then I think they were like they got to the point where they're like oh yeah this cover is supposed to be in color uh, we should probably figure out what color their masks are like they hadn't even thought about it because <laughs> right. they're like it's black and white so it doesn't matter and so they're like well let's make them all red so people still can't tell them apart yeah. I don't know if that's what they were thinking but that's what happened yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's just kind of interesting. So now, do they have they uh, are they having like new color? Because I know they actually came out with some collected colored editions a long, long time ago, and I actually have some of those. But I assume these are colored all new. Is that well? If you give me two sec, I think they're colored all new. But if you give me two seconds, I know right where the issue is. I could be back in just like a few seconds and yeah, and go tell ahead. It's, it's probably near that long box of Spawn comics you got. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Hold on one second, guys. I mean, you could talk amongst yourself, but I'll be back. Oh, gee, thanks, thanks. <laughs> Chuck, carry the show. Carry the show. All right. So, what's going on, guys? Now, <laughs> what kind of weed killer do you use? <laughs> no, I actually, I actually did go and I got the that first hardcover uh, collection of all the turtles and stuff, and um, but I was kind of it's a massive book, and I was surprised yeah, that there's only like nine issues in it, eight issues. Yeah, do there's not, not a lot of issues in it, but it's very, very big and it's very pricey. Yeah, it's like it's. I mean, the production value is really high. It's oversized, you know. So it's like you get a really good chance to kind of really look at it and stuff. But I would have expected for the the, the size of it for there to have been like at least twelve issues, maybe fifteen or something. But I was, I was I kind of disappointed in more, that. Yeah, you would have got more comments for it, but you didn't. Yeah. So it mm-hmm. kind of made me hesitate. Like I, I know the second one is out or it's solicited or something. Yeah, I see. Uh, I seen Ryan's, and uh, I was going to order it too later on. What are you uh, talking about? Your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle hardcover. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I, I saw yours, but when I saw it, and it's like, yeah, there's not a lot of comics in there, and ah, I'll just read yours. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot to spend for um, not that much content. I mean, it's beautiful, and it's huge, and it's cool to see, but I don't know that I would get, like, Volume 2, Volume 3, like, yeah. all the way through. Kind of like You're I not did, really getting yeah. your bang for your buck on that one. Mm. Yeah. So on this, it has... Uh, uh, colors done by Tom Smith's Scorpion Studios. Huh. I don't know if that means anything or not. That must be brand new as far as I, as far yeah. as I know. And it, yeah, it's being produced by IDW, and of course it's got, on the inside cover, it's got Nickelodeon uh, imprint in there. And, oh, cool. But what's yeah, the last, I'm sorry? Oh, sorry, what's the last issue in that collected volume? I'm curious. Uh, in the collected volume? Uh, hold on. Does it have the Leonardo one-shot, or is it like the issue, I think issue 10 and Leonardo one shot kind of fit together into two parter. That was my that was my one of my all time favorite story arcs in there. But yeah. that's what I was just wondering. So I think that's when this the got, really yeah, really it's, good. It's got uh, issues. Well, the second volume, which is what I have right now. Oh, the, I got you. The, the third one still has to come out, but um, I have it pre ordered. But uh, it's uh, Mirage Studios uh, TMNT issues eight through eleven. Mm. And then the Michelangelo, Donatello, and Leonardo micro series one shots. Gotcha. So that's within the second volume. Um, the thing that's really cool, I don't know if Chuck was mentioning this when he was talking about collected volumes, but 
they actually have things in here uh, from Kevin Eastman and uh, Peter Laird as oh, far cool. as things that they were looking to do with certain issues. Um, I think in the first volume especially, they almost went like, on a couple issues, they almost went like panel by panel about what they were looking to accomplish. Mm. So it was it's really really cool and it's oversized too so it's yeah we mentioned that yeah so that's cool it's nice but yeah i've been uh so basically idw has been getting a lot of turtle money from me lately (laughs) he's been getting a lot of our money both of us uh, between the transformers books gi joe everything else they're putting out danger girl and gi joe and all these trades and They're, they're in our wallet more than our wives yeah (laughs) <laughs> uh, and before we get off the, the turtles topic, uh, one of our listeners did have a question for you, Quinn. Oh, uh, no so, turtle trivia. Yeah. No pressure. Well, no, is <laughs> that, tr- is that trivia song for turtle trivia? <laughs> no, <I do> not. <laughs> uh, it's not actually trivia. It's just a question that we, I just said, Hey, we're going to have, you know, Robert and Quinn both on tonight. If anyone has any questions that they'd like to ask them, just either general geekery stuff or something specific to them, let me know. So uh, one of our listeners uh, goes on the forums by the name of uh, Grubzilla, mm. which is an awesome name. Uh, he asked, uh, he says, ask Quinn if he'd ever want to write a story that brought the Triceratons into the new TMNT. He says, I always love the look of them. Yeah, if they let me, I would totally love to. I, I actually <laughs> would love to write for the Turtles again, but it's it's a hard, uh, oh yeah, hard club to break into, I guess. But oh yeah, I, anything for the Turtles, I would love to do. But the Triceratons would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Where the, I assume those are characters that you... I, I know who they are. I, I remember reading stories when I was a kid with them because I got one of those book, big books of the Turtles collections. Yeah. Um, and it was like book two, I think, had the Triceratons in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, I mean, were those characters that you really enjoyed out of all the characters that came out of the Turtles? Or what are some of your favorite characters that have come out of Turtles? Uh, I think that, you know, I always thought the Triceratons were pretty cool. I, I was actually more into the, the, tur- the Turtles stories where they were like... You know the dark, gritty, urban ninja type stories. Not so much the space. I mean, the space ones were fun. Uh, they were they were fun. But I'm really more into like the fighting the ninjas. Like my uh, just off the top of my head, the, the couple issues or story arcs that that I just absolutely am totally passionate about with the turtles was uh, like well, like I was talking about earlier, issue I think it's issue ten and eleven, and then um, and I think the one that came before issue ten was Leonardo one shot. What's basically where Leonardo is by himself. On on a exercise run, while the rest of the turtles are back at uh, April's having a, a Christmas celebration, and then he starts getting just attacked by all these foot ninja, and the whole issue just goes back and forth. There's hard, there's like no dialogue with with Leo, and and he's just like I mean, and he's like this awesome fighter, so he's fighting these guys, but he's just getting worn down by these army of ninjas, and finally that's when they do the big reveal that the shredders, you know, back after they killed him in the first issue. Yeah. So it's this huge reveal that the shredder is somehow alive, and it's just this incredibly awesome dramatic action-packed couple few you know issues and and uh, and then how they have to escape leonardo's just almost almost beat to death and they have to escape and kind of all of them have to basically cope with what's happened in, in their own way and and come together as a family again so that's like an awesome awesome story arc um and then the one yeah, and the, the, I, I, go ahead yeah no, i was really pegging you for an neutrino guy Oh really? No. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, I don't know what that means." <laughs> yeah, the neutrinos, the space guys. Yeah, oh, I know who they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You're talking about all the gritty and you know the stuff like that, and you're throwing a Casey Jones. Oh, I love him. I'm like, I, I thought you were in more neutrinos or yeah. something. You know. 
Yeah. Oh, and that's another part that was so great about that story because that's when uh, Casey Jones comes back and really becomes their their buddy. He, that's when he really gets locked in as their one of their main allies, and he just kicks the crap out of everybody. It's awesome. Woo. <laughs> then uh, and then the other just story arc after that that I just totally loved was kind of the follow up to that that came a couple years later, and uh, it's where they finally are like, you know what, we've been in hiding um, for a year. And on this farm, and it's time for us to go back and settle up with the Shredder and 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 take him out for good. And so it's this three part story arc called Return to New York, which is totally awesome. And they finally have their big final showdown with the Shredder, and Leonardo gets to fight the Shredder one on one and kind of like, you know, resolve this this uh, rivalry that's come up, you know, because now they're kind of like the arch nemeses after what happened to Leo. And so it's awesome. Cool. It's so so good. So yeah. so I'm excited. I, I, gotta, that I gotta look for these in a dollar bin. Yeah. yeah. You don't like the turtles at all. <laughs> <laughs> not not compared to this guy, really. <laughs> uh, our friend of the show, uh, Mike Costa, is actually working on the uh, what Casey Jones one shot, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, cool! That's awesome. I didn't know they were gonna. I I got to pick that up. So yeah, they're, they're doing the the micro series right now, and yeah. the one uh, they're gonna after the turtles are done. They're I think they're doing Splinter, and then they're Splinter, gonna do. Yeah. Uh, I think the next one is. I think it's Casey Jones is the next one after that. I, I believe you're right. And uh, Casa's doing that. And then they're doing a micro series issue on April. And then I saw an, the next one after that is, I'm going to screw up his name, but it's the little robot guy. Um, oh, the Fugitoid? Fugitoid, yeah. They're gonna really? Do a, they're going to do a one shot on Fugitoid. Wow, so they must have, I guess that means they're bringing him back. I guess <laughs> I so, yeah. That's, yeah, man, spoiler. that's cool. I didn't <laughs> know about that. That's way cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think as long as these uh, micro series one shots are selling, um, and I don't even know how they're calling them one shots anymore. They're, it's like their own entity now. Yeah. Um, but not only that, they tie into the main story from yeah. Reading Gold. They, they yeah. really do. Yeah. It's a great idea. It's a great. I think it's just a great idea they're doing. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. There you go, Robert. For your next uh, uh, daily sketch, you can do a Triceraton. So. <laughs> That'd be cool. Well, I don't need no Triceraton before we get some Masters of the Universe. What's going on with that? <laughs> where's oh, my He-Man man love, buddy? Where's my He-Man love? I know. I had a I had a schedule like back in the fall, and then once I got back in on Snake Eyes specifically, uh, that kind of went out the window. So I had to just kind of either between commissions or uh, you know, know other you money. I'm just a other plans. Man. I know, but I really want to get to him. I was thinking of just doing a week, and I was like, there's no way I can get to all the characters I want. So I'm going to do a full month. And um, I think you just need to do a whole nother year. Wow! <laughs> yeah, let's stack that on. No, I. <laughs> no, I. Um, like I've never. I'll, even I'll, I'll, I'll definitely keep keep on the blog. Um, yeah. It just it just might it probably won't be daily, but I'll still do themes where um, I'll probably put up at least one or two a week. Specifically, when I have commissions to do, I'll just post those. But then also, uh, I'll, I'll I'll still do a theme every once in a while, especially if I have a break in my schedule or. Yeah. Because. Quinn knows that happens all the time. <laughs> we were we were actually looking at your schedule and we noticed you're going to the Canadian JoeCon. Yeah, uh, it's August 11th, I believe. They um, they've been trying to get me up there for the last couple of years and it never worked out with uh, scheduling and I didn't have a passport. But I finally got a passport because I went to that show in the UK right. uh, back in March. So I was like, oh, this will work. And when they asked, uh, um, I wasn't planning on doing the Chicago show again, which is typically the same weekend. So. Uh, it worked out pretty good, so I'm headed up there. Uh, turns out there's Joe fans in Canada, so I can't wait to meet him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. A friend of the show, uh, Roger, uh, from Cherry Bomb Toys, he's going to be up there. And uh, if you see him, we we told him to go go by and say hi to you. 
Yeah, sounds good. No, I uh, there's a, a few guys I know that just I mean they'll go to any convention. A lot of guys from the states go up to that show. Um, oh yeah. yeah. But so I'm doing. I think I'm doing the. Another cool thing is the the Joe Con here in the states and that that one also they they publish their own comic like specific to the you know the collectors club and right. and they have right. the, kind of their own storylines going on and it's just a, usually a one shot for the year um, so Hasbro's cool with it and and so I'll be doing the cover I've, I'm actually doing the cover for both books I did the cover for the Joe Con that's in New Orleans uh, this weekend and then. Um, I'm doing the cover for the Canadian one too, so that'd be kind of cool. Very nice, very nice. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I in, in all honesty, I, I know Chuck enjoys it too. Like, I have a lot of fun checking out your blog each, especially right now, each day seeing something new that's popping up and and, and what's going on. And, and <laughs> yeah, lately it's been a couple times a day because I was <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was uh, I was really behind. I was about a month behind on my blog post because I was doing Snake Eyes full time and. Yeah. And then Marvel had me get started on uh, Vent, like Venom, an issue of Venom number right. twenty, and so I was doing that at the same time, and and it just between that and covers and commissions that had to get done and conventions I've been going to, it was just something had to fall by the wayside, and it just I wasn't able to keep up with the blog also. So sleep um, also went by the wayside. Uh, yes, I have not slept <laughs> since April. It's weird. Uh, I'm hallucinating yeah, right now. In fact, I'm not even on a show. <laughs> We actually saw your commission that you did for uh, our friend uh, John Thurman. Yes. Like guys commando. That is awesome, man. That is really good. <laughs> well, it, that, that one was a long time coming because he actually commissioned me that to do that at a convention, I believe, last November. <laughs> and I did the pencils at the show, and I was like, oh, I couldn't get to it. But I knew it was one. I liked the layout, and it was one I, I haven't had a chance to draw a commando snake eyes. It, I mean, only a couple times. And uh, – and not even a full body sketch yet. So I was I really wanted to kind of spend my time on it and finally got to fit that in. So Well speaking of uh Snake Eyes going commando. There was I mean, a question on the, there was a question on the forums for all of us to answer. Uh from Bantor two, because evidently there was a Bantor one already. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and and in case you don't know, Bantor is actually a character from uh Transformers Beast Wars. Uh with, oh. Which Chuck's a huge fan of. So not really. Uh, <laughs> so he says, Hey, I have a question for you guys to answer on the next show. He says, Since Snake Eyes is a commando, do you think he goes commando or does he wear underwear? <laughs> it, it's right. funny, I, I told my wife uh <laughs> I was like I was talking about this cover I was working on. I think it was Snake Eyes, I don't know, five or six where he's holding his sword up and half of him is kind of in his visor ninja garb and the other half of his head is like his goggles like the commando look and and she's like is this two different characters i was like no this is snake eyes and this is snake eyes commando and she just started laughing <laughs> hysterically and i'm like this is not a funny subject <laughs> are you i was like why are you why are you laughing i was like i thought i drew it okay like why are you laughing at my artwork you know kind of thing and she was like what did you say and i'm like commando snake eyes and she's like what are you what are you talking about? And just the idea of a commando as a soldier was not even crossing her mind. The oh, only okay. thing she was thinking of is that You're I was drawing, I was drawing him from the shoulders up for a reason. You know? like, <laughs> nice, nice. So one vote for no underwear. Yeah. Um, well, he he's not telling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a question for Snake Eyes. Uh, then uh, we also had uh, Roger who. Uh, 
Chuck just mentioned as part of uh, the whole Cherry Bomb Toys. Uh, and if you've heard any recent episode of ours, you'll be very familiar with Cherry Bomb Toys because Chuck mentions it every five seconds. www.cherrybombtoys.com. Oh, jeez. Let <laughs> me um, check them out. They're a friend of Canada. Yeah. They sent us a T-shirt, each of us a T-shirt, and evidently that's all it takes for Chuck to uh, be pimped out forever. So, <laughs> no um, but, uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. It's a nice, it's a nice, they have a nice online store. They do, they do. You can get some nice stuff at some decent prices. They do, I agree, I agree. Um, vintage so, toys, you're into that, there, there you go. Yeah, so uh, Roger wanted, he says, can you ask Robert why he is so awesome? <laughs> <laughs> so, do you got an answer? Uh, Quinn, can you answer that one? <laughs> I, was like, I well. don't got anything. <laughs> Chapter 5 of Why Robert is So Awesome. <laughs> Would you read from the book of Why Robert is So Awesome? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, this is a lot of pressure all of a sudden. Uh, no, Robert is awesome in so many ways. Not only is he an incredible artist, but he's also an incredibly nice guy. And, uh, and, and this is one thing that probably doesn't get talked about enough about Robert, but he, Robert has a, a fantastic uh, 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 strength of, to do the right thing. Like He's been put in situations where people are like, hey, I want you to draw this unseemly thing. And he's like, you know what? That's not what I do. And then he's just put his foot down when he needed to in a very nice way. But, and I think that's a great quality that, that more people need. So that's, that's, yeah. Not, yeah. that's not the Robert I know. <laughs> and by put well, the foot down, uh, he means like a kick to the head. Right. Like I just spin go. kicks to the head all the time. Well, there's the answer. He's just he's just good people. Yeah. And I, I didn't want to, I didn't want Robert. I didn't want you to answer it because because I also know that you tend to to be a humble guy too. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to say to that. Okay. Um. So uh. So. Since we're talking about Snake Eyes and everything else, we, uh, Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow now. Yeah, like, issue thirteen oh. just came out yes. um, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's uh, this when I first was talking with Chuck and Andy Schmidt at the time. He was the editor at I, senior editor at IDW. Um, we had talked about doing a solo Snake Eyes series, and we weren't exactly sure how it would fit into the scheduling. And we had a few meetings and uh, just kind of like a group calls and. It was the first time I had ever had the chance to even just sit in on the plotting, you know, kind of like one of those uh, just jam sessions where everybody's throwing ideas out to see where we want to go with, with a property. And it, I was just kind of ecstatic to be a part of it. Um, so we had a few ideas. Uh, I definitely wanted to do, obviously, the Snake Eye Storm Shadow collaboration or the big fight or however we were going to work it out. Um, you know, that's just something I had wanted to do since I was a kid, you know, just to kind of really spotlight both of them. And up to that point, uh, we had hardly seen Storm Shadow at all in the series. I had done like a redesign for like the two pages he showed up <laughs> yeah. in the first volume and uh, and was really excited, especially after doing the design and getting to draw him in a few pages. I was really pumped just to have this all out kind of ninja story. Um, and. It's, as it turned out, I mean, there was bigger plans with the whole Cobra Civil War and then the Cobra Command and, and that big switchover. And I do like how they've fit Storm Shadow into that, all, the politics of all that, and, yeah. and kind of where they've taken the Air Chicago clan and modernized it a bit. And um, so when the book actually came out, I knew that the first arc, or at least two arcs, wouldn't be, wouldn't be uh, you know, Storm Shadow specific. Uh, we had kind of established that early on because we didn't want to, you know, just hit that first because we want to build up to that kind of a thing. So I was excited with how the book started as like, 
Well, I kind of, I was kind of hoping it would go in the route of being a special missions book. Yeah, which is it seems like the first story arc especially went that route. Yeah, I mean that was the that was the impression I had, and so it would be like basically like a special missions book where that was always a chance to to spotlight the Joes that weren't being premiered on a regular basis in the main line, and and Snake Eyes did appear quite a bit in the old special missions. And so I was like, this would be cool, you know, just let Snake Eyes go and accomplish a mission, and he'll bring the two or three or four Joes with him that are specific to that mission. And, like, the first the first arc was up in the Himalayas, so he brought Alpine and Iceberg, and that made sense, you know. And he was, it was really neat to kind of see how he fought with Helix alongside him, you know, in the last couple issues. So it made sense, and it was a, a really awesome, fun arc, that first four issues. Um, and then uh, as I came back on with issue 13... Uh, we were kind of at that point, you know, they asked me if I wanted to do that. I was like, yeah, this is what we were talking about, you know, that I wanted to do in the first place. So uh, I'm working on issues 13 through 16 and it'll be really neat. There's, I mean, loads of action as it starts out. um, 13 was kind of a cool, you know, uh, Storm Shadow sends Snake Eyes basically on a mission to take out Zartan, the, the IDW version of Zartan. And I really like where they're going with Zartan um, that won't, you'll really see it in issue 15 um, because Zartan up to this point has just been like a normal guy. Yeah. You know, not at all like the Zartan we knew from, from back in the eighties. So, uh, but I, I don't want to, I can't reveal anything, but man, 15 is where you get just a hint at kind of where they're going with it. And it's going to be way cool. <laughs> Very cool. Okay. Ah, well, okay. Right. After we record, I want to tell you guys, I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> I have a quick question, Robert. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first issue you came back on, did, did you, uh, were you able to draw the entire issue? Yes. The first issue I was, I did all the flashbacks, the whole thing, um, with, um, the issues 14, 15 and 16, we, uh, there's another artist, uh, that's doing, you know, the flashback scenes and that just allowed me schedule wise to be able to say time I came on, you know, typically when you're, when you're working on a book, uh, it takes a penciler about a month to finish the book. Uh, you know, anywhere between 20 and 30 days to draw 20 plus pages. Because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, my pages take roughly 8 to 12 hours, you know, to finish one page. And so it, you automatically you know that if it's taking me a month to do the book and the book comes out every month, like you're going to be, get behind pretty quick. So <laughs> right. um, typically you try and work in advance. And luckily we've got a fantastic art team with Juan Castro and Simon Coloring. Um, they typically they're right behind me. Everything moves pretty smoothly, but we also need, I mean, just, we need roughly a three month head start going into the project, but just because of scheduling issues, uh, we got started about a month and a half before the issue 13 was supposed to come out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we were like scrambling just to even get the first issue done. And then 14, 15, and it just starts to compound, you know? Um, and that was, I think the purpose for why, Snake Eyes shipped a week later. It was still in the same month, but just shipped a yeah, week later, yeah. scheduling-wise. And, so, and the only reason I ask is, and, and again, no, no disrespect here, it didn't look to me the, the same as the first couple issues that you did. And so I thought maybe you had somebody else help you do the art or something like that, like a ghost you know, artist or something like that. But um, no, it was I, good. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It was really good, but it, it just didn't look the same. To me, I think uh, I think it was it's um, a combination of I mean it's a it's a full year later I think uh, yeah. as far as 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 us as artists and um, yeah I mean the the whole issue is me I think the the next issue 
we really got into a groove of kind of working together again. Okay. And I really like, I mean, the action in 14 is there's about an eight to 10 page action sequence that has yeah. been my favorite action scene I've drawn yet okay. in, in my Ooh. career. Like, it has been awesome. It was fun to work on. And uh, well, like I think I was we really kind Ryan. of jailed. Like I was telling Ryan with it, with the, when the first couple issues, you had all the backgrounds of the mountains and the Himalayas and the snow. Then you're inside the uh, the Cobra bunker base, mm-hmm. so you got all the backgrounds of that. Whereas where you're doing the flashbacks, it's just like a white background. So maybe that's what kind of threw me off a little. Mm-hmm. Oh well, the, the flashbacks, yeah, and that was a really interesting scene because you have like Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes as kind of maybe between ten and twelve year old kids yeah, training, yeah. and they're like they're like hanging on this wire, right? And the right. idea or this rope, and over this huge ravine with like a you know like a river below them. And they just need to hang there for a certain amount of time. And, you know, Storm Shadow starts to lose his grip and Snake Eyes, um, you know, basically saves him at the last right. minute, tosses him back up on the wire. And there was like no dialogue hardly. Yeah. And just to choreograph that whole scene, like took forever. Some of the easiest pages I've had to draw t- you know, time wise, but to choreograph it took some of the longest time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but because there's, there's yeah. yeah, there's just really nothing in the background. That whole scene It's just a. A, you know, rope that they're hanging on. So occasionally right, right. there was stuff back there, but they also uh, colored it differently just to try and indicate that it was a flashback. So the borders are different and all that. So. Yeah, that's what I was telling Ryan. Though there, there's like the borders are different around it, and it's not the same. So maybe that's mm-hmm. what kind of threw me off a little bit. Like I said, I'm yeah, not saying that, that it was bad art or anything like that. It was really good. It just looked a little different to me. Yeah, and I think that that's we need to just make it as clear as possible that this is a different time period and and. Uh, so we just kind of came up with that the border idea where okay. it's kind of borderless and they kind of look like ripped, you know, just, I don't know, it's just yeah. kind of rough-edged borders. And that's going to yeah, carry yeah, throughout yeah. all four issues. They'll be, yeah. okay. We'll, okay. we'll really get to see this flashback kind of Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes as they're training together. I think the the coolest scene for me just was the the whole scene where Snake Eyes is, is leading the mission with, with, you know, the rest of the Rashikagi and... Oh, the all the Red Ninjas? Yeah, and all of a sudden they... Out. They make a little comment that basically ah. tells Snake Eyes like, "Yeah, if you don't come back from this mission, we're okay with that." Is <laughs> basically <laughs> it seemed like that was the message they were saying to him. So he's like, "All right, well, I'm just gonna take all you guys out first, and then I'm gonna go do <laughs> the mission." <laughs> yeah, I was kind of at first. I was wondering kind of like what his motivation for doing that is, and that's part of the question that runs throughout. Is you don't exactly know where his allegiances lie. Is he really? you know, in tight with the Air Shikagi and becoming a full, you know, Air Shikagi ninja again, or is he there just to infiltrate the organization and take him out from the inside? And and there's different things that happen all throughout as you, you're not really sure what side he's on, um, and he's not going to tell you, so... Well, and I'm even questioning, does, does Storm Shadow even really want him there either? Because I'm thinking, did the message come from Storm Shadow? That, hey, if, you, if there's a chance to take Snake Eyes out, let's take him out. Like it, there's a yeah. lot of, like you said, there's a lot of that, like we just don't know yet, like where where everything falls into place. Yeah, there's kind of a subtext, like a lot of uh, suspicion coming from, uh, specifically like that female ninja Rika. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and she has motivations, you know, Snake Eyes killed her husband, so killed she's, her husband. She, yeah, yeah, she doesn't like him to begin with, but 
Well, it's funny because before I even read it, I especially on uh, books where I know I like the art and everything, or some, or that I know I'm going to like the art, I'll flip through real quick, and I was like, "Holy crap, is that Jinx again?" And then I was like, <laughs> "And I was like, Jinx is dead. They screwed it up." And then I read, it, I was like, "Oh, that's not Jinx. That's Rika." And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody asked me at a recent at the convention just this last weekend, and. They're like, how, how how could Jinx be in this book? I'm like, it's not Jinx. Like, oh. Right. Well, okay. and I think I think the reason why it threw me off with thinking that was because I think the only time we saw Jinx in the IDW run was in the Cobra series, the G.I. Joe right. Cobra, that first mini series. So obviously the art style was very, very different then. So just to yeah. see in an Asian female ninja, your first thought is, oh, it's Jinx. Yeah, so. and I think it would be, you know, if if that hadn't been the way that the the story went, uh, you know, with the Cobra books, like it would have been a cool opportunity to see Jinx, uh, you know, in, you know, in the clan and and the being a full ninja, right. and, and to have that kind of antagonism towards Snake Eyes. But I wouldn't take away, you know, the the how yeah. palpable the story was where she was, you know, a, a yeah. big part of that Cobra series. And I don't know how you take setting that the back. tone. Yeah, I don't know yeah, exactly. I mean, it, I mean, the way they handled it was was <laughs> worth it just to get that set the tone for the book. Because then we're not dealing with G.I. Joe universe anymore. You, you blow someone's head off, they're they're pretty much dead <laughs> in G.I. Joe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I didn't think they would ever be bringing people back in, yeah. in this series. So. Unless they do a whole Serpentor thing, let's bring them back from the grave. You know I'm pretty I'm... sure they're not going to go that direction. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. <laughs> All for one, I'm happy. Um, no, that that's that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I... I was so happy to see you coming back on the book and, and to see uh, Juan and Simon both back with you because yeah. I think you guys complement each other really well. So, well, we've, wor- I mean, we've, we've worked together as a really good team um, over this last year and a half. Like it's, it's, it's blown me away at how well they've, you are just kind of seeing each other grow as artists and it has been the tightest knit creative group I've worked with. Like some, from the very beginning of it, snake eyes issue one, um, I mean, we all kind of took the initiative, but I kind of sent out an email and I said, I want everybody to be included, you know, copy everybody on every email, you know, from Chuck, me, Juan, Simon, both editors. I want everybody to see every email uh, just, just to get more eyes on the artwork. And if other people, if, if I've drawn something incorrectly, I want people to let me know. Or, yeah. uh, you know, if I see something in the colors where I think, oh, this... Um, I mean, I I do know a lot about G.I. Joe and the way that things should look and the way that they're colored or whatever. And so I I really do like to kind of – and as much of a fan as Chuck is with the series too, when it comes down to the very specifics, you know, of what vehicle would be used or what uh, uniform somebody would be wearing or at least suggestions on color towards that, you know, I I like to be a part of that and kind of uh, give that input. So we've been – really working closely together all throughout. And this is Simon's first professional work. Uh, oh, before wow. this, he yeah. had just, we, on DeviantArt, which is just like a fan, uh, or like an artist gallery website, um, he had just colored a few of my commissions, you know, just some of the things I'd posted. He's like, hey, do you mind if I color this? And sure. And he would show it to me, like, this is pretty good. And we kind of, I then started giving him commissions to color for me. And when we started the Snake Eyes book and they were asking for colorists, I suggested him and yeah, you know, we had a few, two or three artists in the running, and and he got picked, and you know, we've been kind of working together pretty exclusively ever since. And so he, cool. he's uh, he has done a fantastic job, and it was yeah. it was his break into the industry. Yeah, he re- he really has. I mean, it's, it's absolutely amazing uh, the what he brings to the table with it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, what you're saying is he owes you dinner. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was it was cool. He he lives in the UK, so I actually got a chance to meet him in March, and that was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, roll out, roll call. Yeah, that was a that was a lot of fun. That was cool. Uh, he's nice. a great guy. Great guy. GI Joe will return after these messages. Tooncast is dedicated to the cartoons we grew up with. 100 episodes and more make up one of the GCRN's most popular podcasts. Join hosts TFG and Mike, Optimus Solo, Terry the Rising Star, and tons of guest hosts. We also have voice actor and writer interviews. Tune in to Tooncast as we look back on the cartoons that defined us as geeks. You can find Tooncast on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Tune in. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, geekcastradio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on geekcastradio.com. Cybertron. Thank you, Soundwave. I am TFG1 Mike, and you should be listening to my very first podcast, the TFG1 Podcast. 24 episodes covering the entire U.S. run of the 1984 Transformers cartoon. Also, a few supplemental episodes in an interview with Stan Bush. So check out the TFG1 Podcast. You can find it on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Transforming Rollout. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Greg. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one G.I. Joe podcast, What's On Joe Mind. That's right. It's Joe News, reviews, and special guests like you've never heard them before delivered right to your MP3 player. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right. Hey. We're just kidding, Chuck. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right. Hey. It's What's On Joe Mind. Every week on the GeekCast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. Can I say something about Transformers? No! Now, back to G.I. Joe. We gotta get another ugly out of the way. So, Baltimore. Not, not, not happening. Huh? What's happening? I know. Like this ended up being like the huge get together for all the podcasts that I listened to, and I'm like, I really want to be out there. Um, I, I just emailed the people who run the show through the website, you know, through the like, right. hey, do you want to be an artist alley? E- email this email, and I just kind of gave them a heads up that I don't know if tables were full or whatever they cost. I don't, you know, I, I want to go and I'd love to set up. This is what I've worked on. Just let me know and I'll do it. And I never heard back and. So, I mean, I'm guessing they're full. I've heard other artists had a similar issue. So, Do you need me uh, to make a few phone calls? That's all I'm asking. <laughs> At this point, I'm, uh, I was scheduled to do um, the Cincinnati Comic Expo. They're bringing me out as a guest, and it looks like it should be a fun show. And that's September 23rd and 24th, I believe. And so I'll be doing that show. And then when I hadn't heard back from Baltimore um, – at this uh, re- at another recent show, I was talking to some guys, and they said that uh, this Coil Con, which is just a small mm-hmm. uh, convention in in Indiana, that's run by uh, a toy shop called Kokomo Toys, which is works hand in hand with the What's on Joe Mind podcast. And right. Yeah, we're very so, familiar with that. Yeah, so Gary, uh, he's kind of putting it all together, and so I'm going to go to that show. I believe it's probably the same weekend as Baltimore. It so, is. That's why I'm is. not going. 
Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's it's closer for, you know, I would love to go to Baltimore, but I'm not going to go if I can't set up. Yeah. Um, and so especially if um, if I could just go to Indiana, which is a few hours away, and and hang out with a bunch of Joe fans for the weekend, I think I'll do that. Gotcha. Well, uh, I know Chuck and I have talked about it, and we mentioned it when uh, we were talking to Mike Costa. He he asked us if we'd be coming uh, at some point out to C2E2, uh, yeah. possibly, possibly next year. So I think that one's on our radar for next year. I'm pretty sure that's one that you typically go to, though, correct? Yeah, I mean, that is hands down my favorite convention in the country. Like, I, I really enjoy Heroes Con. It's a lot of fun because I get to hang out with a lot of the studio guys that I work with, and it's a nice family-friendly uh, you know, show that's not huge, but like you know, like Marvel, DC, a lot of publishers aren't set up there. It's mostly artists and retailers, yeah. and it's a very fun show. About ten or fifteen thousand people come. Uh, it's a blast. I absolutely love that show. Yeah. But the nice thing about C two E two is it's a much different show. It's has all of the same exhibitors as you in in the comics industry as you would have in New York Comic Con and San Diego Comic Con. Um, so you get that really big. It's just like the old Wizard shows. You know when they were really good. Right. You have Marvel, DC. Uh, you know, um, Dark Horse. A lot of the ma- major publishers are set up. You have a really, you have a juried artist alley. So you have to submit a portfolio. You have to show examples of your work, and then they pick who's going to be an artist alley. So um, you have a really high quality artist alley, big name talent, uh, and it's just. And for me, it's close. So I mean, that's another reason why I like it. It's only like three hours away for me, and so. Um, it is just simply a fantastic, very well-run show, very just well done. I can't say enough yeah. good things about it. So, so, so since Robert's abandoning us, Quinn, is there any chance for you to come to Baltimore? <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably not. Probably uh, not. Uh, you can stay think, in our. No, you can stay in our room. room. You want to share a room or something? <laughs> no, I think uh, next year we're, we are planning on doing more shows together. Yeah, uh, because yep. Runestone will be out. We'll have to do a lot of promotion, and right. so we'll be hitting up a lot of shows next year. And hopefully, especially if you come to C two E two, Quinn, will be, I'm sure Quinn will get Quinn out there too. So yeah, that'd be a blast. Awesome. Yeah, because I definitely want to have a chance to to meet meet you. I mean, other than oh. just other than just getting to know you through your show and and what and through forums and all that type of stuff, it'd be nice to actually and like stalking you, like right. where you can't see him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every day sending emails. I see what you're wearing. <laughs> Really I'm in the bushes, right? I'm in his bedroom. I'm like, wow, someone really cares. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Every time I go into his house to record, it's really awkward walking past the Quinn Shrine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's all the fruit next to it. Yeah. It's, just it's just really awkward, man. It's really awkward. It's you got to meet her. And, you know. <laughs> Candles uh, lit. There's a big poster. And... <laughs> well, I had a nickel. <laughs> I, I actually, actually, in, in relation to Quinn, I can't. I am not able to look at my computer monitor right now because in most of the whole recording, I haven't been able to look at my computer monitor because uh, the avatar for Quinn is <laughs> like his. I assume that's you, your giant eye looking at me. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it's like that's colored right. slightly red. It's a little yeah. creepy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just I feel like you're looking into my soul and not in a good way. So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, I apologize for that. It's just, it's just, just how, that's just how I am. Yeah, sorry, I couldn't think of anything wittier to say. <laughs> um, well, getting and we'll jump around back and forth between the two of you. But uh, sure. are you still uh, working on uh, Kung Fu Panda, Quinn? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, it's been. I don't know how much detail I can get into, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I I kind of wait to hear from them. Okay. <laughs> so so okay. as far as I know, <laughs> I haven't been uh, fired yet. As far as I know, uh, not yeah, as far as I know. So uh, here's another issue we want you to do. Good. Here I go. Nice. All yeah. right. Work. Yeah, I can say that the new uh, the new the issue one of the the new brand new series is is uh, hitting stores in July. So so uh, so oh, I'm cool. excited to see that. Yeah, that'll be cool. Right. Now here, here's the question I had uh, when it comes to Kung Fu Panda because uh, sure. I've I've seen it once and I loved it I thought it was fantastic yeah um, you're welcome and yeah Chuck let me borrow it so I can <laughs> um and how, like do you ever go back to the movie and watch it like to make sure you're getting the right characteristics of like the right personalities of certain characters and everything else um you know I I haven't I, I mean I've seen it I've seen it a handful of times so i i feel like i've i've got a pretty good i, I don't know i i the answer is no yeah <laughs> but but uh no. but i mean um and by handful he means 152 times so yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yep. just a couple yep. just a couple it's a big fistful uh no i you know i haven't but i but i i don't know i i, I mean i think i don't know maybe this sounds like i'm bragging or something but i feel like i've got a pretty good uh, feel for the characters um so yeah it was fun though to watch uh, the second one. It's fun to watch the second one yeah. when it came out last year, having having yeah. written some stuff for them and been like, oh, you know, it's pretty cool to it's pretty cool to be a part of that world, you know. Have you have you seen any of the the cartoons like the that come oh, out? Oh, I haven't. I haven't. Have you? Yeah. Those are yeah, they're good. They're really funny. And they're really good. I watch them with my son. They're really good. I I like him. He likes them. Wow. Uh, I'm so behind on so many things. Robert's <laughs> like every time we get on the show, Robert's like, so Quinn, the new DC universe. Have you picked up any of them? I'm like. Cricket, cricket, you know. So. <laughs> okay, whenever, we, whenever we do uh, picks of the week, right. Quinn inevitably will pick some obscure <laughs> video game from the '80s oh, or like some movie that nobody's seen in 20 years. What? There was one that you did that was like I swear it was like from 1986 or something like that, and I was like, wow. Oh, that. <laughs> no, it was a, there was some movie or something like that that you picked that I was just like. Like, wow, I have not seen that in a long time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing, because it's like all the young whippersnappers now who, who you know, who don't know what real music and movies are. You know, they, I just, you know, I was like, <laughs> hey, you know, for people that, that missed it, it's just fun to talk about it. But although I will say in our last episode that is just about to come out, I did, I did talk about some new movies that just came out. Yeah, oh, that's uh-oh. true. So, nice. breaking the mold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Now, have back. Just, just because it was briefly mentioned, are either of you watching? Just because I am totally falling in love with this show, uh, the whole, the new uh, Young Justice cartoon. Yes, Funny yeah, music. we actually, I, I do talk about <laughs> it at this the last uh, podcast we did, but it, it uh, ah, it's so good with like Aqu- Aqualad and oh my god, oh, have you seen the most recent one that came yeah. out on Saturday? Yeah, where they reveal about him. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> because at first, at first I was so mad because I was like, "No, I let that was one of my favorite characters, and you're making him a bad guy now." And yeah, no, my brother was exactly the same way. Like Aqualad was his favorite, but you know, by far. And and then, and I was like, "Man, they they just took a huge risk with the start of season two to oh, yeah. to bump it up." You know, like what is it? Five years later, there's like boom, yeah. five years later, I'm like, "What?" And then I saw Nightwing, and I was like, "What?" And then yeah. I saw like Aqualad was bad. I'm like. 
There you go. <laughs> There's that girl. There's that girl. Street, exactly. Yeah. And that, then was, you, that was my that was my Quinn impression. Yeah. What? And then they put in all these characters like Wonder Girl and and Batgirl, and I was like, oh my god, they're bringing everybody in that I love, and it's oh, like, man. and you know, and they they do so good. Like they they don't have to do this, but like they go and they pick uh, in that first episode, like Lobo shows up. I'm yeah. like, what a cool take on Lobo. Yeah. And um, they just and actually, brought, they just brought impulse in recently. Oh, that was a good episode. Yeah, yeah. it just made. I mean, I could, I would love to see. I mean, I like the show the way it is, but yeah. just the way that they depict, you know, all the Justice League characters. I would love to see a corresponding Justice League show. I mean, they can only do so much. I'm just like in a perfect yeah. world, they'd be doing a Justice League show exactly like that, and a a Young Justice at the same time, like yeah. showing both sides of. Well, story- Oh, man. Yeah, they they do bring a lot. I was really su- pleasantly surprised at how much they bring the Justice League into the show. Um, yeah. It's not just focused on just the kids; they're the main focus. But you do see adventures. Excuse me. Yeah, it was adventures with the Justice League. So it was like the old uh, Teen Titans show. It was just about the Teen Titans, and I think yeah. at the time uh, they actually had some restrictions where they couldn't use Batman, and they couldn't even say Batman in yeah. <laughs> in in the dialogue. They weren't like copyright reasons they weren't allowed which was strange but it's because it was a show that was put on by cartoon network as yeah. opposed to warner brothers at the time and, and i just i just love the takes that they're doing with some of these characters like like i said the recent one with impulse i love how yes he's impulsive but he's being impulsive to throw everyone off because he's actually there for a purpose and he, he yeah like, you get those glimpses of him being totally serious because he knows what's at stake if he doesn't succeed I thought it was neat too that they showed that he was uh, faster than Kid Flash too. Yeah, yeah. That like because he's Bart Allen's um, grandson, you know, is it just because and, and the Allens are just, faster? Yeah. yeah, that episode made me want to go back and pick up because I've I've been aware of the Flash, but he's never like my fa- most favorite character. But like that episode made me want to go back and read all the Mark Wade books, all the yeah. Jeff Johns like relaunch of it, and and I want to go find those trades and read it because that made that. Like depiction of the legacy of the Flash, just in that episode, makes me want to go read those comics. And those are those are great runs, both of them. I'm I'm a well, I've always been a huge fan of the Flash. He's like my second favorite character. So, oh. um, like so, the Wade run and the um the Johns run are just amazing. That was one of the things when it comes to going to Baltimore that when I started looking at creators, I was like, oh, Mark Wade, I I need to get my uh, I have the absolute edition of uh, Kingdom Come. And I started looking at the history of stuff, and there was, for a long time, I was someone that just read the stories. I didn't pay attention to the, the creators that much. I was just like, oh, I really like this story, or I really don't like this story, or I really like this art, but I don't like this art. But I didn't pay attention to who they were. I just was like, well, I like The Flash, so I'm buying The Flash. Right. Um, and then now that I'm, like, the last few years, especially due to podcasting, um, listening to podcasts, I pay attention to the creators a lot now, and... I went back and looked at all the stuff Wade's done. I was, I said to Chuck, I was like, I need to meet this man because he has given me almost every absolute favorite thing I've ever read. Um, he's given me one of my favorite yeah. runs on uh, on the Flash. He's given he did the start of uh, Age of Apocalypse, which is my favorite X Men story ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously Kingdom Come is like is probably my number two favorite story, just under uh, Christ on the Infinite Earth. So. Yeah, it's um, like I don't think he's worked on something that has been a flop. You know, no. like you have some some writers that have their ups and downs, or you, know, you may or may not like their. Uh, get, I mean, for example, 
I mean, not to throw anybody under the bus, but, but I'm gonna. But I'll tell you. <laughs> No, but like for example, like Jeff Loeb, like yeah. I really like. I loved his uh, the his, the Hush, you know, mm-hmm. Batman story was fantastic. fantastic Obviously, his yeah. his long Halloween, Dark Victory, it was just classic books. Right. Um, but like his whole run, I didn't like his Ultimate stuff. I didn't yep. like. It just seemed so, you know, superficial. Risk, yeah. yeah, I just didn't like this stuff. And you know, so and I think everybody, you know, not everybody's perfect all the time. But I really think that Mark Wade stuff, like I haven't read. You know, anyone that was like, oh, that wasn't the best that he's written, like everything he's been a part of, I, I really like. All right. <laughs> and, and, and Chuck just posted on, uh, <laughs> that uh, if you listen closely, you can hear DC's cash register going ching. So. <laughs> nice, nice. I, I had to talk to Quinn since you guys were giving the DC all the love. Uh, we we're just, um, I was, that, that show, Young Justice, totally has me geeking out. It has actually surpassed, like, my number one cartoon ever is the Batman animated series, which it will always be my favorite because it start to me it started everything that followed it. Yeah. Um, but number two was always Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Young Justice has surpassed that now for me. It is now wow. my wow. Now number two. I yeah. praise. No, I, I would agree. Like I think when Young Justice first came out, I was you know I watched those first few episodes over and over and over. I just really dug them. Mm-hmm. I just thought like the production quality and value of them was was so well done. And no, it's really good. It's really good. Yeah, I think it's they're just hit, they're just doing a, they're making a lot of good cho- decisions and yeah. towards the end of last season I was kind of get I was I felt like the the whole mole story arc was kind of retreading a lot and you know I was ready for it to, them to move on and then but then for them to take such a big risk and launch the second season so well I'm just like I'm just as excited if not more than I was when it first came out. Yeah, the only thing that upset me with the second season is they changed the name of my DVR didn't pick it up the first time. And Me I, too. <laughs> I, I, just, I was like, "Is it is it playing again?" And luckily, it was playing on Sunday, and and I was oh, able to record cool. it on Sunday. So I know I, I missed like the first two episodes because of that, and then I just went and got like an iTunes season pass and watched them all. <laughs> nice. What did they change the name to? The uh, Young Justice Invasion. Invasion. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It just yeah. threw off everybody's DVRs and all that yeah. stuff. But and that's <laughs> when it that's when it jumped uh, to what Robert was saying. That's when it jumped five years into the future. And I thought it was going to be a temporary thing when they were doing the five years in the future. I'm like, well, they're going to go back to the way it was, but they haven't. They just said no, this, and I don't think they will. I don't think they will either. When oh. I first saw, I remember when I was looking at the previews for the show to come out, and you see like Robin come out of the shadows, and he's like in a new costume. I'm like, oh, that's cool. They're giving everybody new costumes. Yeah. And then when in the first episode where he talks, I was like, oh, I wonder if they got a different voice actor just so he seemed older. But then all of a sudden we see Nightwing, and I was just like, yes! Like, it was so <laughs> so awesome. It was cool. Yeah. And, you know, remember in the first season when they were trying to decide who would be the team leader, and, and you know, Aqualad you know, was kind of taking Robin aside, and he goes, you are meant for this job, but you're just not ready yet. Right. So I'll be the leader until you are. And then here we are, five years later, and, and Nightwing's the leader. leader. Yeah, and, it's, and it fits so perfectly, and he does such a good job at it. I'm like, oh, I love that the, kind of consistency. Yeah, and I was gonna say that's that's what I really like is the stories are really tight. There there really isn't any, you know, things that have been forgotten or you know loopholes or anything or like that. Plot threads, or plot something threads. Yeah, heroes. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. First, first season was fantastic, and it went downhill after that. But uh. Yeah, um, uh, let's see. What else can we talk about? <laughs> um, oh, also, Robert, you have uh, coming up a uh, little project with uh, Larry Hammer coming out pretty soon. Yeah, right? um, it's a book called Shadow Gambit. Uh, it's the title of the 
the graphic novel. Um, it, you know, we're really pushing to have it done this year, mostly because of uh, different kind of Hollywood connections that, so we get put on that time schedule. But, um, and I've been working on it for a while now, just kind of as I could fit it in. The uh, the guy who created the project, his name is Ryan Schifrin, and he, uh, I mean, he's directed some movies and he kind of just works in Hollywood and has a kind of a production company. So he um, just created this property with these two main characters, a character called uh, Mobius and Basil. And it's kind of like an Indiana Jones, uh, you know, James Bond type approach to like this action adventure where it's these two British guys and they get entangled where they are basically have like this indentured servitude to this collector character. And he sends them out to go retrieve artifacts for various purposes and, and, and they're bound to him. Like they have no choice. So they've got to go do this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's always just high action, very kind of James Bond type opening sequence to the book I'm working on. Nice. And, um, so Ryan is a huge, enormous GI Joe fan. And so of course, like his dream would be to have Larry Hammer write this book. So he reached out and Larry was like, yeah, sure. I like the concept. And so he got Larry to write his book for him. Nice. <laughs> and so he kind of sent, uh, Larry his screenplay and Larry's adapting the screenplay to comics and then and i'm working on that and uh there are a few other books where these characters like this is actually the third story uh the first book is called the devil's handshake and that was just like a i think like a 40 or 50 page book that came out through devil's do when it first came out in single issues and it's been since collected and archaea has the the rights and they've they've published that book as a trade so if you're interested in the characters, like you can read that first story already. That's out. And again, Larry wrote that and everything. Uh, and then I'm working on it's, and that's that's kind of more, uh, just like a short, you know, quick adventure. Like they go and do something and it's done. Um, he's currently producing two books. The one I'm working on, which is kind of the big, high dollar, big budget movie uh, that they're working on, and the other one is a origin story, which is much more smaller scale but it's where we see their background and see how they get involved with this collector character mm-hmm. and so and that's currently being uh, that book should be finished up and i think we'll probably come out before ours but it's funny though because <laughs> <laughs> well we won't we won't get into that again <laughs> <laughs> but mostly it's because um uh but it's interesting because the way hollywood works is they just want to produce they see a comic and they're like, ooh, we like this property. And they just want to make the movie of what they see. So he's showing around, you know, like Devil's Handshake. Well, actually, Archaea is. And because, you know, just to see what kind of, uh, you know, interest is out there. And it's just funny how kind of movie producers and execs, studio execs, they see that. They're like, ooh, let's make this movie. Yeah. And, uh, and he's like, okay. actually, the order I kind of, he's like, he has a different plan for like the way he wants to release them as films. And, He's like, well, here's the script for this one, and here's the script for this one. They're like, okay, that's nice, but we want to make this one because that's the one they can visualize. You know, that's right. the one they can see. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just across the board. I mean, how things are sold. And then you get a movie <laughs> like Electra, and they... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what went wrong there? No, but so it's been an interesting process to be to at least have like kind of an inside track to see all of the politics of that. And it's, I've never had to deal with that in my career yet. So it's been kind of neat to be part of. <laughs> Very cool. Get a good heads up. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> Quinn, uh, obviously you have elders of runestone, you have Kung Fu Panda. Is there any other projects out there that our listeners should be aware of? 
Uh, the only other one, really, that I've been involved in recently is uh, the, there's a series called The Scrapyard Detectives. Um, I don't have you guys. Uh, we talked about it on our show a little bit, but uh, just talking about it on the show, yeah. Okay. Um, um, it co-created by Bill Galvin, who who is actually uh, an artist, really good friend of mine. He's an awesome guy, and he's he's drawn for Archie, he's drawn for Marvel, he's drawn for Bongo Comics, which is Simpsons. Um, and so this is one that he co-created and has done all the artwork for. And uh, and it's done through. Uh, it's actually published by a nonprofit organization called the Diversity Foundation. And 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 uh, so it's the story of these these uh, kids, these three kids. They're probably like you know, sixth, seventh grade kind of a thing. And they're called the scrapyard detectives because their headquarters is out of a junkyard that one of the kids' dads owns. And, nice. and they basically solve mysteries. So it's a really fun, you know, like, like, like great Hardy school. boys type. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. You know, lots of adventure. And then it always just kind of has this theme of, of, you know, tolerance for people from different, you know, backgrounds and that kind of a thing. And, and just, you know, appreciating people who are different than you and, you know, but, but not done in such a way that you're like beat over the head with it. It's just, yeah. Really fun adventures, and so um, so I've written a few stories for them over the years, and uh, and then Bill asked me to write the final issue. It's going to wrap up the whole series, so it's so it's issue five. They just released you know issues here and there over the last several years, and mm-hmm. and uh, and he asked me to write the last issue right. that kind of ties it all up, and and you know he said it's possible that more issues, more stories will come later, but it could be in a completely different you know take on the characters or on yeah. the story, and so that was a lot of fun to write that kind of a that, bittersweet experience. I would so, say it's quite quite the honor there to say hey oh, yeah. we, we want you to write the last issue <laughs> yeah no oh, it really was and and uh and i definitely felt the weight of it he had he had some some definite ideas of what he'd like to see in it and and uh and it was you know and it's like i've come to love those characters because they they are pretty different it's fun to see them work off each other and, and they're good kids and and has some fun adventures so it's kind of like a, a kind of an emotional <laughs> experience to, to yeah. write their final issue and so yeah, so that's that's coming out soon too. So very cool, and it sounds like it's uh, especially for those out there that are uh, always looking for this type of stuff. It, it obviously sounds like it's a great all ages type. Yeah, exactly. Uh, look out there for them. But that so. that being said, the, the some of the stories get pretty. Uh, I'm not going to say dark, but they get pretty pretty heavy with some of the subject matter, and they've had some big name writers work on it and stuff. Uh, so it's, it's kids cool. can handle that these days. It, oh yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, uh, Chuck, was there, I have a bunch of firing range questions, as we are commonly known to do. But Chuck, is there anything fire else you away. wanted to ask the guys about, or no, nah, no, nah, fire away. Okay, cool. Um, I don't think we've asked either of you any of these questions, so um, so here we go. Okay. First question: Who wins in a fight, Boba Fett or Snake Eyes? <laughs> uh, do you, you want to take this one, Robert? Snake Eyes. <laughs> that's that's what I was going to say. Thank too. you. Thank you. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> no. no not, not wrong. No, okay. See, the reason why is because Boba Fett wouldn't have even seen Snake Eyes. <laughs> Snake okay, Eyes comes up, cuts his rocket pack off his back, and stabs him. The end. <laughs> yeah, there. So you can't say anything about, like, oh, he's got a rocket pack. He can fly. He's got a blaster. He wouldn't have even seen him coming. Yes, he would. No. He would. He's, he's got stuff a, in those visors. He's not a ninja. He's an intergalactic bounty hunter. I think he's come across a ninja once or twice. Ninja. Ninja. <laughs> the end. And, and I gotta throw out. He's I dealt with tougher out. stuff than ninjas. Never. How many times ever. has Snake Eyes ever been eaten by a pit? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> he Thank survived you. that. He survived <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, but Snake Eyes haven't even been thrown in in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> no, he just got beat up by a grunt. Uh, hey Oh. Um... 
All right. Uh, is Chewbacca a sidekick? <laughs> oh, I've heard these on the episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> I'm gonna say yes, but I'm not. Okay. I'm not like a huge Star Wars aficionado, so yeah. I. I'll take the yes. Thank you. Okay, I'll say no. I say no. Because if if you've read at all the expanded universe, you kind of know how they got together and why Chewbacca even tags along with yeah. uh, Han. It's it's because of a life debt that he owes, and he's his own character. He's got his own right. backstory, his own you know skill set as like why him and Han make a good team. I'd say they're teammates. I don't I wouldn't say yeah. they're sidekicks. Yeah, and that's what I said. I I've always told Chuck it, to me they're like Butch and Sundance. You don't say that Sundance is the yeah. Sidekick I think I think he gets labeled as a sidekick because you, you not many people listen. understand Wookie. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I think because you don't hear him, you don't you know, hear his voice or his yeah. his his opinions. And <laughs> I've lear- and I've learned Wookie over the years, so I totally. <laughs> so there you go. See, Ryan's got the inside track on what those conversations were really about. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say too that as a kid, you know, I, he was my favorite character too because he was just this big awesome monster. So yeah. That's um, all right. Uh, th- this has definitely been some debates on the show. Um, does everything have a price? And when we mean by price, we mean actual monetary price, not like does everything have a consequence. We mean does everything have an actual monetary price? Hmm. What do you mean, like everything? I would say no. I mean everything. Yeah, we're <laughs> then I would definitely say no. Yeah, me too. Because there's definitely things I would not do for any amount of money, and I think that it depends on. I don't think everything has a price. I think everybody has a certain uh, amount of integrity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. And Chuck has so, true. So <laughs> I'll be rich. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put this. Chuck Chuck is willing to sell his wife and kids. So yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> for the right price, so eight hundred million dollars is about that price. Right. Well, and and we've mentioned on the show before, but uh, I do want to be fair to Chuck because I understand some people would have no problem with this. But his question to me and what started the whole debate was that if someone offered me eight hundred million dollars for my dog, would I sell it? And I said no, uh, because a dog, my dog to me is a part of my family. It's a, it, it's I don't put my dog on the same level as my wife, of course, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my dog is a part Good of my family. Good save. <laughs> but my dog is a part of my family, and I wouldn't sell it for any my dog for any amount of money. So interesting. Uh, I know that's not true for everybody out there, but um, yeah. Well, there's a lot of miserable rich people out there. Yeah. So Chuck would wants to be one of them. So <laughs> it's a risk <laughs> I'm willing to. The illusion of happiness. <laughs> um, and then uh, this this one might might make some people uncomfortable, but uh, and and if you need an explanation, we'll we'll gladly provide one. But in prison, do you get a pass? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> my my advice is don't go to prison. <laughs> then you're not faced well, with the yeah, question. Yeah, that's, that's obviously that's the best advice, but. <laughs> Well, I've never been to prison, so I've, I, I apparently don't know what that one means, but I don't know if I want to know. Um, there's certain things that can happen to you in prison <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. that if you are a heterosexual male, you might not want them to happen to you. Okay, um, okay. Which, if it happens to you, I understand, and I would say you get a pass. But Chuck, a lot of times, is saying, well, um, that you want to uh, give in to your baser instincts because... Maybe you, you, you want to, you know... Little companionship in prison. I don't know. Wanna, you want to cuddle with Bubba is basically <laughs> Chuck's saying. I would so just want to avoid the conversation. Maybe you're in, 
Maybe you're in prison and you get a pass. I don't know. <laughs> so let's they, like, let they, me. They said on the Sopranos. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so let me let me restate the the information in great detail just to make sure I understand. No, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh, these Tell ones are tame. Give us a call. Yeah, the rest of the rest of these are tamer. So okay, right. um, uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, do you like butterscotch? Yes. 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 But not not more than caramel. Okay. Oh. That's not okay. the question, Robert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. But, okay. uh, yeah, I like butterscotch. Okay. Mostly because my grandma had all those hard hard yeah. butterscotch candies yeah. as a, a kid, and I would that was the only candy she had in the house. So I was like, yeah, you have to eat those, and I, then I got I, to like them. Yeah, I felt like I had to eat them, but then I, my <laughs> face would crinkle up. I'm like, ooh, I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Like uh, do you like ranch dressing? Yes. Yes. And I think I used to like it more because I'd put it on everything. Yeah. Like <laughs> like ranch. I mean, ranch dressing, like on tater tots, on tacos, on pizza. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like, it's good mm-hmm. on everything. But mm-hmm. I think I overdid it in high school. <laughs> I, I agree. Chuck does not like ranch dressing. so I don't like it. Interesting. It's good. My, my two young sons like it though, so I buy it. So I'm I'm contributing to the cause, but <laughs> I, I don't like it. Well, I, the ranch I, dressing movement. Yeah. Well, I am, I am sad to say that for the next four months, that is uh, an item that is off my menu right now. So uh, you can't, well, you, can't lose, you. you can't lose weight if you're eating gobs and gobs of ranch dressing. So. And it's not worth it to get the fat free. It's really not. No. Oh. Well, here's the thing. Here's my whole theory, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I really believe that anything that is a milk-based product uh, or has milk involved somehow um, is you, if you try to get a fat-free version of it, it's just not worth it because they just don't taste good at all. So. Nope. Well. So like fat-free cheese and stuff like I that. I do drink skim milk, but that's mostly because. When we first got married, I would only drink 2% or like whole milk or something. Mm-hmm. And my wife drank skim milk. And then I was like, all right, hey, well, you know, marriage is about compromise. So when we got married, yeah. we were like, hey, let's drink 1%. And that lasted about until that <laughs> jug was gone. And then we she tried. went and bought skim milk. And we've been drinking skim milk ever since. And then, and, and then you found out what marriage is really about. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say you're drinking, you're drinking skim milk because that's what she buys. Yeah. Well, um, and then now, now whenever I drink... Like two percent milk, it just feels like it's coating my entire throat. Like because I'm used to drinking, you know, like milky water, yeah, the bluish and, water, uh, yeah. <laughs> and the bluish water. And then so my, but my brother Brian, <laughs> he only drinks whole milk. But actually, his kind of guilty pleasure is he just drinks a bottle of cream. Oh <laughs> like, my god! <laughs> like he nice. loves, he buys coffee creamers and just drinks that. I used to drink those as a kid. Like if they were on the table at the restaurant, I'd open them up and just. Yeah, my sister would do that too. That's that's gross. <laughs> um, all right, uh, I know that uh, there, it might be a trade or it might be single issues, but right now, what is your favorite comic that you're reading right now? Is this an ammo dump? Uh, it can be. Yeah, sure. <laughs> And favorite comic right now. Like, what's something you read recently that just like got you pumped or that you were really enjoying? Uh, I'll jump on this one. Um, I've been finally getting. I finally got around to buying uh, a lot of the collected trades of Hellboy. Uh, 
Oh, so no. I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm a few years behind the current storyline, but it's stuff that I hadn't read yet. And man, it is yeah. so incredible. Man, Hellboy is just mind-blowingly good. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep, that's that's me. Yeah. I got into that a, f- a few years back. I bought a bunch of the trades and started reading it because I was like, this must be good because everyone talks about it. Yeah. Just his sense of pacing and, and just the, the yeah. cool weirdness and, and just everything about it is incredible. Yeah. Um, I recently, I've been buying more and more books digitally because I do typically wait for trade, but right. I don't... Uh, some I want to read right away because either the stories are compelling or the artists that I like. And so I've been reading the Nightwing book. Yeah. Because um, the art is phenomenal. I love the way that they that Eddie Barrows draws his the action. Yeah. And just how, uh, I don't know. So I, I really dig that. And then especially the last few issues where they're the introducing Night the yeah, Night of Owls characters are is a really awesome concept. And the bad guys are just really wicked cool looking and and yeah. and that's when you would really like it you would really yeah, like it. i've seen some of the artwork and it looks super cool and not to re- reveal anything with those issues but the the origin of that particular talon uh in the nightwing <laughs> issues is just that was my favorite one because i was just like oh wow that is really I, you cool. know i think it's cool that you have writers who can take a character that's been around literally for 50 60 years mm-hmm and 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 then create something new about their backstory because you think yeah. oh man we know everything about Dick Grayson that you know, you could possibly know he's been a character right. that have had has had tw- stories upon stories told about him and then boom this this art comes along and you have a completely uh well not not a new origin but just they basically took everything we knew about that character and flipped it on its ear yeah I mean, but but it's but it's not it doesn't. Without disrespecting it. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't go against anything that we've ever learned about the character before. It just adds to his backstory, his history, yeah. and is in a really amazing way. So it's really mm. cool to see. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. I need to check that out. Yeah. yeah. What about for you, Chuck? I, you can go ahead and answer this one, too, because I know for us it changes constantly. So I don't know what's your top thing you're reading right now. Uh, wow. Top thing I'm reading right now outside of the books we cover, because I, yeah. I really enjoy those, right. would probably be Amazing Spider-Man. I'm really enjoying that. The ends um, well, of the earth. Yeah, I'm enjoying that storyline with uh, uh, Doctor Octopus, Spider Man, Silver Sable, Blackwood. You know, it, it's really good. I, I, I'm enjoying that a lot. Basically, uh, Doctor Octopus and the Sinister Six. Uh, Spider Man thinks they're trying to destroy the world. He's telling everybody he's trying to save the world uh, by uh, repairing the uh, depleted ozone layer. So it's really nice. good. Nice. Um, let's see, uh, favorite toy as a child. So not now, but as a child, what was your favorite? Can we, can we do as a child and then do it now? Sure. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Because I have way more toys now than I ever had as a child. (laughs) Way more toys. Yeah. And good luck in picking one of them now. (laughs) Oh, I know. I've got, I've got two or three that are just like the, the prizes of my collection at this point. But let's see, as a, as a kid, I was—I would think, um, oh man, I think it would—it would, it would <laughs> was probably my uh, battle damage He-Man as a kid until awesome. my brother Thomas ran over it with the vacuum cleaner <laughs> and burned a hole in the size of his face inside of his face, <laughs> like the size of a dime. Like his face was just melted, and I'm like, ah, that's battle gonna, damage. That was bad on yeah, so damage. He just took a, like a Skeletor blast to the face, and it was over. Yeah. Uh, so that was like I would say the youngest like as a kid that I remember was 
I just took that everywhere I went. And then after that, um, yeah, like my first joy GI Joe figures were uh, Snake Eyes, Zartan, and Destro, and I played with them all the time. But a lot of us boys, because there's like six boys in my family, so we each had you know a few different toys of each kind of major property, and we right. you know bring them all together and and fight. And then um, oh, that that makes Chuck uncomfortable is to bring all your toys together. <laughs> he segregates his toys. Uh, I was to say when I when I think when I was at the age where I just could just like really delve into my imagination and create huge battle scenes and, and action sequences and stuff was when we would play with our Ninja Turtle figures. Cause I know that was kind of more mid to late eighties uh, when that was like really huge. And we, but we would take all, I think that's kind of the most characters we had because it was a relatively small character cast compared to like GI Joe or transformers or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt like we had a complete set of, of the main cast. And so we would go out and just do like at, at the, playground near our uh, house and we would like dig holes and create traps and pits and have a huge story and you know, big battle that would happen and and play it all out and be like that was awesome and then we'd start it all over again and so i think those were the three kind of main properties that we collected as kids and we had the most fun with wow uh as for me do you remember those old uh, new kids on the block action figures <laughs> nice. <laughs> Are you serious? No, I'm not. <laughs> That's my sister, I think, had Chuck, it. like, hangs up right there. <laughs> I almost, I almost, yeah, I almost did. I, I no. think my sister had the Joey doll, so yes. I... <laughs> no, okay, well, let me ask you this. Do, like, video games count? Sure. Like, for kids' toys? Sure. Okay. You, have you ever gone outside? No, we're talking about action <laughs> figures. Okay. Uh, no, 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 no. Video, video games is another subject. Robert, yeah. Robert made up his own rules. You can make up your own yeah. rules too. So you could do video games. <laughs> no, I really like my Nintendo. <laughs> okay, I'll do both. I'll do both. Okay, so my action figures as a kid uh, was Masters of the Universe. I had like a ton, a ton, a ton of those when I was a kid, and just collected them. And for Christmas didn't, and my birthday, didn't your always... dad like build you a big? Yes. Yeah. My dad does woodworking, and he he one year for Christmas he made me. Uh, a He-Man uh, stronghold and had like this monster nice. face with a working drawboard and a uh, drawbridge and like a uh, had like a prison in the bottom and it had like a trap door in the middle with I mean he built this out of wood and you could take it apart and put it back together it was super cool and he made it just for me and it was awesome so yeah so I played with that until it fell apart um, yeah so that was cool uh, so those yeah so action figures as a kid was Masters of the Universe for sure nice um, okay then do uh, well, then we'll do toys now, and then do video games, because. Okay. Yeah, toys now. You know, I don't really have any toys now. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Anybody got a loose action figure laying around? Please send it to Quinn Johnson. Yeah, really. yeah. I uh, I don't. Yeah, I was, I'm trying to think really hard, but I really don't. See, so, you know, it's it's not even like a turtle or something like that. No, I. Uh, you, you don't have because they just recently. Well, recently in the last like five years, they re-released. The Ninja Turtles, like the old classic molds. Yeah, I don't. You didn't get any of those? Uh-uh. I no. know what Quinn's getting for Christmas. <laughs> well, some new that Ninja is Turtles ridiculous. Yeah, well, I just don't know what I... There's some Ninja Turtles toys coming out now. Yeah, I just... See, this is, you're going to hate me, but I just don't know what I do with them. I'm, I'm the kind of guy that, like, if I don't, like, use it, use it, then I'm just like, well... I don't know what to do with it, you know? And see, I, I, That's just how I am. Yeah, so for me, and I know it's kind of the same for Chuck, it's... It, for me, my action figures and toys that I have are like my version of having a statue in my house. It's, right. you, know, you, you know, you put something on the mantle while well, instead of having like that, you know, 
awesome looking vase, I instead have a Batman sitting there. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think you know I kind of felt the same way um, before I, especially kind of as I was going through school and all that stuff. It, when I started working on GI Joe. Um, I would like literally go out and buy certain toys because they were in the in the books, and I wanted to make sure I had, you know, oh, yeah, a, a proper version of it. So uh, just for reference, and that was completely my reason for getting back into it. And then slowly, you just catch the bug because I was like going back and buying like vintage, you know, Rattlers and and Night Ravens and different, uh, you know, vamps and stuff just because I had to draw them in the book, and then. And, you know, and then I would just go, oh, I wonder what's coming out now. And I went, and that's for kind of right when the 25th anniversary stuff was coming out. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, these are just like the old figures, but better, you know. And so and then I kind of was picking up all the vehicles, and that's how that started. That's when the plastic crack addiction starts. It did. <laughs> I, I, I would never have thought that I'd be a guy that was like becoming like a, a action figure hoarder. But yeah. uh, the other the other thing that was like a turning point for me was I went to a convention. This is when my son Connor was two. He's five years old now and almost six, but he had, he, he just turned two. And I went to a show at the summit city comic con, um, that DCBS and in stock trades, they put that on. It's like a one day show. Yeah. I went there and they had this, uh, <laughs> like this, uh, 80, I don't know, 70% off little area. And I had a Superman figure and I was like, Oh cool. I think, you know, Connor would like this because he was just getting into superheroes at the time. I bring it home. He thought it was awesome. Then I went to San Diego that same summer and I picked up a Batman figure and then, uh, or no. And then, uh, yeah. And then I did a heroes con and basically at, at that point at every convention I'd go to, I'd just pick up uh, an action figure and bring it home. And that's when like the DC universe Mattel figures right. were kind of just coming out. So I quickly realized how many conventions I go to <laughs> because I would give him a couple for birthday, a couple for Christmas, and and then at least one, maybe two at the most, but usually one figure for every convention I go to. And he has over 70 figures at this point. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> which is it's stupid. It's ridiculous. But And I probably should have picked a cheaper toy line. No <laughs> doubt. What, what is cool is at conventions, too, I can do a lot of art trades. Like, I'll trade prints or books or art or commissions with all the toy retailers. And I know a lot of pretty awesome uh, you know, toy retailers at these shows that I end up getting a lot of this stuff for trade. But yeah. um, then I started getting jealous of his toy collection. <laughs> it was just really cool. We have, Son, we I have, have to borrow these. I know. I'm like, uh, I need to draw you know, this. Guy. Yeah, I'm just up in my ours, studio. You know that, right? This is ours. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we do this for work. (laughs) (laughs) Now, at the same time, I think I, ooh, Quinn. Actually, I've never, it slipped my mind. But when we were doing the Kickstarter for Runestone, yeah, we had uh, this awesome guy start doing a a custom, and a custom uh, smiley henchman figure. Yeah, and I met him in Chicago. Oh no way! At C two E two, and he gave me. That adder. What? Smiley. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, I want those. <laughs> I, I, I think Quinn might want an action figure for Christmas. I think yes, he might. Th- I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll be, I'm going to put it, Quinn. Question. Where are you going to put it? Uh, I'm going to put it. Um, yeah, I'm going to put it right above my bed. There you go. <laughs> for all to see. Yeah. That's so awesome. Take the wife and put down that guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, if I had a wife. <laughs> so, I. I think for my favorite toy 
now. I have got that um, that masterpiece, uh, Optimus Prime. Yeah. Uh, that's like I don't know. He's probably twelve, at least twelve inches tall. Yeah. So I got him. I got the one that was just a. I don't know if it was Walmart or Toys R Us released it as just the the robot. You know, just Optimus Prime. Right. And then I saw that you know there was the Japanese version that had the convoy. You know, the trailer that came with it. Oh, and yeah. I was like, man, this thing is so hard to transform. So I went ahead and bought that too. So I have I have one <laughs> I have one in robot mode, and then I have another one in like semi truck trailer mode. And they're releasing uh, that again. Um, oh, I know. Masterpiece well, edition. So so that's probably. I mean, for the longest time, that's been my favorite. But I just got. Um, see, what's great is I pick out my own Christmas toys. <laughs> <laughs> So I'll either get them you know, on sale or at conventions or whatever, and then I stick it in the closet on Christmas morning. I'm surprised. It's great. <laughs> uh, so this Christmas, I have a pretty good idea that Santa's giving me that uh, 20th anniversary Voltron, like oh, the Dyke nice. metal. Nice. Nice. Oh, I can't wait to open that. I've, so been, be- I've been getting the, the pieces that Mattel's releasing right now, the oh, each yeah. lion. Are you doing like? Do you have the subscription? No, I didn't. And then I I bought the first line, and I'm like, what am I doing? Because I can't stop now. Right. So I've got the first two lions, and this thing is going to be enormous when yeah, it's done. Yeah, huge. Those, the lions themselves. I mean, how big are the lions? I saw one the at the lions are about a foot long each. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yeah. So put it together. This thing is going to be enormous. It's going to be over two feet tall when it's done. <laughs> I know on Facebook I saw Robert hugging a Voltron. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be that tall. It's going to be that tall. Oh, I'm going to hug it when it's done, yeah. Yeah, that was that was one of the best Voltron costumes I think I've ever seen. That yeah. was pretty awesome. You, I, I commented on this on there, but I was like, you look, you look like you were a five-year-old again. Like, <laughs> like but, <laughs> Me I, and my brother Brian were at that convention, and I think it's actually the guy who owns the Voltron property right now Mm-hmm. Actually lives in St. Louis. Oh, nice! And so I was at that recent convention. So he set up a big booth about Voltron, and I think that's his costume that he like hires out a guy to wear around the show as wow, promotional cool. stuff. And uh, so me and my brother Brian saw him coming along. And we're like, yes! And so we hopped out from behind the table, <laughs> and we started. We had picture. We were like kind of disco dancing with him and stuff. And then, <laughs> and then we were kind of done joking around. I'm like, uh, is it okay if I get a picture hugging you? And I just got this blank Voltron stare. <laughs> and then I just started hugging him. I didn't really give him an option to say no, and they quickly took the picture. Then he so, pulls out the sword, and you're like, oh, crap. Yeah. He's like, forward blazing sword. <laughs> I'm cutting out. So you heard the loudspeaker security, security. Well, I, I have to say, because um, I definitely want to give the guy uh, props for this, my favorite toy I have right now um, has to be bar none, um, just recently had listener Chris Campbell send me out of the blue um, the sideshow collectible of Flint. Oh, oh, um, that's awesome! Oh my god, I, when it came, my mouth dropped. I was like, I couldn't thank him enough times. I was like posting on Twitter like, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, had no idea it was coming. He said that he had he had sent something. Um, and yeah, it sits proudly on my desk here uh so anytime i'm doing editing or working on the show flint's watching over me so showering like anything right right i take him, <laughs> I take him with me everywhere i go he's like my buddy People, he's like sitting has his own spot at the dinner table right. when i'm sitting at work i made his own little cubicle desk for him so 
<laughs> my nice. buddy. Nice. My buddy. But just, I, I mean, I mean, obviously it's an amazing figure, but also the fact that a listener would do something like that. Um, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. That, that generous, that that just blew my mind. So. That's cool. And those sideshow toys, I've got, I have the Storm Shadow that I actually got from a good friend, and then I just recently picked up the Zartan one, and those are, yeah. they're just meticulous. It's oh, crazy. Yeah. How detailed these are. Well, that's the one thing I haven't finished doing yet is Flint comes with all, uh, he has his bandolier straps, and you have to literally put every shotgun shell into his bandolier. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And I have three in there right now just because I wanted to set them up, and I'm like, okay, I need to sit down one day and just put all of them in, but it's going to take a while. (laughs) Um, Okay, and then uh, let's see, got two more questions here for you guys. Oh wait, 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 sorry, real quick. Oh, yeah. Did we do the video oh, game? Video game. Oh, no. sorry, sorry. Well, I, I, I will just say that my favorite Nintendo game as a kid it was Castlevania three, okay. uh, and it still is actually my favorite video game of all time. So I would have never have guessed that. I know, it's so weird. After listening to your <laughs> podcast, I've never, never mentioned that ever. I don't think so. <laughs> Man, I get, I get a lot of people come up to me at recent shows and ask, like, what, what's going on with that Castlevania art that I did? Yeah. Yeah. So, We're trying well, to finish it up. So, um, yeah, I know Simon's been working on the color. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. No, that's fine. Go ahead. I was going to say Simon Goff has been kind enough to color those uh, out of the kindness of his heart. So he's he's just had a swamp schedule, but he's gonna he's been working on getting those done for me. So yeah. we'll send it the, in and see what happens. Yeah, that's one of the prints that uh, uh, I got from you, Robert, was the Castlevania one because it was like so amazing. Um, I I would love to see a comic done of that again. Uh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, but uh, the one thing I wanted to mention to you, Quinn, because you're certainly welcome to to join us again for this, is in in October mm-hmm. for Halloween. We are going to be doing a spotlight episode on Castlevania. Woo! And yeah. I know you're a big time. You know, next to Turtles, maybe or maybe yeah. even before Turtles, you're huge on Castlevania. So. Oh yes. Oh yes. Yeah, I'd love yeah, to. So, do that. which one do you like more, Turtles or Castlevania? You know, I've tried to figure it out. <laughs> it's like here which, which one's your favorite child right yeah yeah i don't know i love them both at least at least equally i'm, I'm super passionate about both of them so yeah, yeah. so I, I figure we could probably have you on the show and you can tell us all the information that we get wrong so this way, <laughs> this way our listeners are well informed yeah no i'd love to do that that'd be awesome so thank you yeah hey, no problem I, I know i'm speaking for chuck and chuck's gonna contact me later what the hell are you doing inviting him on the show again <laughs> <laughs> i'm typing it up now <laughs> um but no i knew you were huge in the into castle have you read the the idw miniseries that they did you know i i kind of thumbed through it and i've seen pieces of it and i was like oh it's kind of cool but but it wasn't it, it for me i mean this is just my opinion but for me it didn't really yeah it didn't for me didn't, so. yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, oh, it fine have you read the um because when I was looking up, just kind of researching, you know, costumes and everything for the characters, I mean, there was like a pretty, I think, a, you know, a published manga or something. Yeah, there right? was manga, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they've done, I have never read any of them because they're, well, they're pretty much available in Japan and that kind of a thing. But, uh, um, but I've, you know, seen some of the artwork and stuff online. So, I mean, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Well, I've seen, so. I've seen a translated version. Yeah. Oh, have you? I, I want to say that I saw one on InStock, but I may be thinking of a different property. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'll definitely be checking that out before we do the show. Cause I have the mini series from IDW yeah. uh, and I haven't finished reading it yet. I read the first couple issues. 
Um, but I want to finish reading it before we do the uh, the spotlight episode. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, Chuck, I know's got uh, one of. Uh, you, did you get just the one figure, Chuck, or did you get? Yeah, a- I just bought the uh, Simon Belmont figure from NECA. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. That is a cool looking figure, though. That's yeah. awesome. And I picked up the uh, what the IDW trade. Yeah. yeah, I picked that up too recently. Um, and then eBay's Robert video game for you. Um, <clears throat> see, I wasn't as uh, I mean, we we played a lot of video games growing up, but I don't know that it was I wasn't as ever like into the story like Quinn was. Uh, I mean, we played a lot of like Mario and, and Mario Kart and all that kind of stuff. Um, I remember Battletoads was a lot of fun. You know, that kind of... <laughs> <laughs> nothing that was like a huge, you know, epic property like Castlevania. And I kind of wish I would have gotten into Castlevania. I always liked the artwork, but I never really played the games. And I think as I've gotten older, especially as I started you know, in college, once I had to buckle down and really kind of work on you know, my art, uh, I quickly realized that I need to stay as far away from video games as possible. Because <laughs> Once I start one, I mean, just like most people, I would get addicted to it and just spend Never all my time doing that. Done, yeah. Yeah. And for me, yeah. like literally, I've the way my work is is if I'm not drawing, then I'm not making money. You know what I mean? Yep. There's no, right. there's no, it's it's that black and white. And so anything I do that's not drawing needs to be a higher priority for me than making money. Which so right. of course, like spending time with my family, you know, going to church, doing other activities, uh, you know. So, but anything I'm doing needs to be more important to me than making money. Yeah. And of course, yep. I, there are things in my life that are more important than that, but video games isn't, <laughs> can't right. be one of them. And if yeah. it does become one of them, then I need to pick a different profession. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Chuck? What was, what was your favorite? Or I don't know, if it, did you have a, a definitive Robert or it was just like... No, I would. I mean, I would say kind of... I had the most fun kind of growing up like playing uh, just... Yeah, I'd say Mario Kart and maybe Turtles Through Time. I think was maybe my favorite book or favorite games. How about you, Chuck? Yeah, I'm very similar to Robert in this category where I don't play a lot of video games now because I don't have time to devote to that. Um, But yeah, growing up, the Mario series was probably my favorite series. Uh, I enjoyed Contra a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, I know I enjoyed the first Ninja Turtle game. I know you didn't like it, but I I really enjoyed it. I did not. Yeah, I love that one, too. No. Yeah, it, it, you know, Mario 1, Mario 2, Mario 3, Mario Kart. Those were a lot of fun games. I, I really enjoyed those. Zelda, that was a classic. I liked that one. Yeah. But I think that's what it was. I would lean more toward the Mario games. Yeah, if I had to pick just one game, I think for me, that was like a game that I really invested a lot into as a kid it was uh, Zelda Link to the Past, which was on the Super NES. Uh, uh, I'm playing that again right now, actually. Oh, I love that game. That was, yeah, that was good. I played that, yeah. Um, if I had to pick something recent, I would say it was uh, Fallout Fallout Three. Um, I I remember I I played that game for I don't know how many hours. I played it to completion. I bought every downloadable edition to the game and beat all of those. Um, I knew that game inside and out playing it. So um, that was a more recent one that that I got totally hooked on. So. Um, all right, uh, first album ever uh, could be either one that was given to you or one that you bought. Hmm. The one that stands. Or it could I be a record this, or a it CD may, or a tape. Yeah, eight track. Um, <laughs> I think the, <laughs> the one that really sticks out to me. <laughs> the one that really sticks, and I think I may have gotten the. Uh, 
I honestly think I may have gotten the original Ninja Turtles movie uh, tape back in the day. I think <laughs> that's, no, how he knows that was prob- that's how he knows the That's how he knows the from the, yeah, oh, I listened to it a million times. So, but uh, so that that was probably the first one. But the one that really stands out the most to me, I'm a huge, huge Peter Gabriel fan. Okay, and uh, so his greatest hits I got back when I was in high school, and I think that was I think that might have been the first CD I ever owned, and and that was uh, yeah. So that that's still one of my favorites. So, nice. Robert. Um, I think the um, you know, again, I'm not, I've never been as much into music. Um, I was, I would just kind of listen. So always just listen to what was on the radio. I remember <laughs> the one time when I was in grade school, I, their uh, Capitol Records was actually had a, a production factory in the town I lived in, and so just I won a trip with a bunch of other grade school kids throughout the city to go tour Capitol Records, and at the end we could pick out uh, a cassette tape, you know, just from this big box of them, and mm-hmm. I didn't know like any of the bands or whatever, and so I picked one. I was like, man, this looks cool. It was like it was a Megadeth like cassette. Oh jeez! <laughs> like this nice. looks pretty neat. And I listened to that thing over and over and over, and I was just like way into Megadeth <laughs> in grade school. Yeah. Wow! Which is yeah. so bizarre because I know it's like I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I would not pick you I as a Megadeth person. <laughs> I know. It be, me either. I'd be, I was maybe like in fifth grade, I think, or something. But um, and then I think. Uh, I just kind of, especially in the 90s, I kind of got into that basically alternative kind of uh, just, you know, kind of alternative rock. And just, I, I kind of think I enjoy that the most. So uh, I think one of the first CDs I bought was probably a, like REM, like Automatic for the People, and nice. maybe a couple of U2 a ones. One. But I mean, I'm not really, uh, I'm not as big into music. I just kind of pick what's, yeah. you know, I don't go out and buy a full album and stuff yeah. that much. Nice. It's mega death or nothing. I got you. Right. right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the last question in the firing range that I have for you is, who wins in a fight, Robert or Quinn? <laughs> that's a terrible. Uh, that's a terrifying thought. <laughs> I don't know. That's a scary thought, Robert. I hope we never find out. What about there's, but there's it's totally me. Of, there's one piece of fried chicken left. Who gets it? <laughs> I'll let Robert have it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think, you know, that's the thing is I think me or Quinn, neither one of us are confrontational people. Right. So I think that if we were even, <laughs> you know, I don't even know what could possibly make us want to fight each other. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just like, I think we would just work it out. Well, I think, oh, wait, if, wait. I think if Elders, <laughs> I think, I think if we have a whole Walking Dead situation where like Elders of the Runestone makes big money and then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's the, here's a scenario. One of us gets uh possessed by a bad guy and we have to beat up the other guy to save him to, to knock the the evil out of him okay classic classic super sure. right okay. it happens all the time sure right i don't know i think because i don't have uh, a family to take care of i don't i haven't um i don't have that that robert loving. has more to fight for Oh, oh, okay. Well, if you put it that way, then... <laughs> I'm not as I'm not as soft and loving as Robert is yet. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. I think he was no, going for more of he had the yeah, killer instinct. Say, yeah, it depends on the situation. Yeah, if it was like something where I had to stop you or you were going to go after my family, then yeah. that would be pretty intense. Oh, you'd probably wail on me. Or you or if we can get our brothers involved, then I think I just outnumber <laughs> you. Maybe. Yeah, probably. <laughs> And nice. let's let's face it, you've drawn enough snake eyes fight scenes that you probably know a lot of moves that I've I, I've just get away. 
Actually, if we can get, yeah. Anyway. But he can only do them with his hands, though. That's the only problem. Because <laughs> that's a that's a really oh man, Robert. I hope I never have to fight you. <laughs> yeah, in fact, if I was ever in a situation where I knew going into it that I'd have to fight somebody, I would actually just get my brother-in-law to do it. Uh, he's like this enormous redneck. His name's Roger Gunn. <laughs> like literally, his name is Roger Gunn, nice. and wow. and he has a black belt, and he's he's he is an intense dude. Nice. So, if that was ever the situation, I would just kind of hire him or nice. I don't know. Yeah, um, I remember I worked at an Italian restaurant that I swear was run by the mob. And then when I went to leave there, the owner of the restaurant really liked me working there. And he said, he said to me, he was like Ryan, if there's anything you ever need done, and I mean anything, you call me. <laughs> and I'm like, and it was a very, <laughs> it was a very Godfather intimidating moment when he said it too. All right. All right. <laughs> I know Keep where I know who to contact if I have some, a few bodies I need to get rid of. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, but uh all right, well uh anything you guys want to plug any shows coming up that you're going to be going to be at that we should our listeners should know about that we haven't talked about I guess already. <laughs> uh well, in a couple weeks I'll be down at Heroes Con, so I'm really excited about that. Um and then uh, I will be doing that uh, G.I. Joe convention in Canada, um, especially for the listeners you know, or Joe fans that might be up there. Uh, if you want a sketch from me, I, I, I suggest emailing me ahead of time, and that's just robert at robertatkinsart.com, so that I have a much more likely chance, because it's just a one-day show, and there's only so much I can do in that day, so I prefer to do those ahead of time. Sure. Uh, and that's in August, and then the Coil Con, early September, uh, Cincinnati Comic Expo late September and then New York Comic Con that should be it. How about for you, Quinn? Uh, nothing coming up for me. Okay, I'm just just working on Runestone right now and nice. taking it. He's easy, just chilling so. in his living room, so if you want to stalk him, contact Ryan. Nice. Yep. <laughs> He's the he has all the specifics. He has all well, the me, info. Well, let me go ahead anything as a fan or you know. If, if yeah, if you need to know anything that Quinn's doing, just contact me. I'll let you know. <laughs> he has the 24-hour webcam going, and right. And he Wait, doesn't. And he doesn't know where it's at. <laughs> I thought that teddy bear was a gift. <laughs> it's like blinking red. I'm like that's weird. <laughs> when Robert sends that uh, that adder figure, then oh yeah, then yeah, that thing is amazing. In that's a risk I'm willing to take. There'll be a little camera in there. <laughs> let me go ahead and give out our information for uh because there's a lot nowadays um people can find us at uh starjoes.com they can talk with us every day at the forum for geeks.com uh we are part of the GeekCast radio network uh you can also listen to us for free on your mobile devices through stitcher radio just download it. it's a free app and you can find starjoes on there you can even make us one of your favorites which is Really awesome. We've had a lot of people doing that. Um, you can email us at it's starjoespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can Twitter with me, at least. Uh, it's at starjoespodcast. I'm on there almost every night. Uh, Facebook, we have two sites, uh, which is a fan site, which is where we post a lot of stuff in relation to the show. And then we have a profile page, which is where Chuck kind of uh, hides himself a lot of times to respond to things that listeners have to say and posting crazy pictures and whatnot. Uh, you can also uh, see, leave us a voicemail. It's 440-941-JOES. It's 440-941-J-O-E-S, whatever those letters come out to in numbers. 
you can leave us an iTunes review and subscribe to us in iTunes. It's the easiest way to get the newest episodes from us. Is just it updates every time something comes out. But uh, please leave us an iTunes review. It always helps us out. Uh, let's see. Is there anything else, Chuck, that I am forgetting right now? Uh, the contest we got going currently. Well, the contest, probably by the time people hear this, it ends this Friday. So I'm thinking this episode, I probably won't get out till this weekend. So the contest will probably be over. But I have. Oh, you stink. I, I know. We've <laughs> had a lot of people uh, enter, though. Uh, so thank you, everyone. And the next episode, we will actually be drawing the winner. Um, and uh, so that that's just been awesome. I don't know if if either of you guys heard about what we did was basically to revamp our website a little bit under our Jedi council is we had people as part of a contest enter uh, a file card for themselves. Uh, and so they provided their, their name. They could, they, we asked that they provide their real first name. They could make up a last name if they wanted to. Uh, wanted social security numbers, credit card numbers, you know, (laughs) their uh, code name and, uh, where they're from and their specialty. And then everything else uh, we were going to make up for them, although there has been a lot of entries where people made up their own bio, which is really awesome. Um, and uh, like we have a yeah, uh, prize is a Cobra Commander costume uh, generously donated by RomaCollectibles.com. Uh, so it's a it's an extra large Cobra Commander costume. Plus, there's going to be a ton of uh, comic. <laughs> it's like a, a full size like costume. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! yeah. Oh yeah! Hoods that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Aaron uh, from uh, RomanCollectibles.com, they they donated the Cobra Commander costume, uh, you know, very very generously. They are fans of the show, so yeah. we saw him at the Columbus Toy Show, and they just said, "Hey, we wanted to give you guys something that you could give away to your listeners." So it was oh, really man, that is too cool. Yeah. So uh, there's also gonna be a bunch of comics. Uh, I, we were talking about Night of the Owls. I know that I have uh, pretty much all the run of Night of the Owls, and I collected an extra set for our listeners, so all the tie-in issues and everything are in there. Uh, I've been collecting an extra set of Avengers vs. X-Men, that comic series, so uh, there's going to be some of those issues in there as well, as well as a bunch of other stuff. Every once in a while I'll be like, yeah, I'll be at the comic shop and I'll be like, I know I have this coming in DCBS, but I want to read it now, so I'll pick up the issue and I'll read it, and then I get the order through DCBS, and I'm like, yeah, I'll take this extra one and throw it into a prize package, so... Um, I know Earth 2 came out, and I have Earth 2 issues 1 and 2. That's going to be in the prize package as well. So there's a lot of lot of good stuff that's going to be in that. So, But speaking of contests, Chuck, I also wanted to just throw it out there, that just reminding people that I am part of the weight loss challenge right now. There was a postponement to start on July 12th with the official start of it. However, X from Altered Egos and myself have a little side bet going that we are we started as of today. Um, I tried to run a mile today, which almost killed me, um, <laughs> cause it's been a very long time since I've ran. Uh, but I did run about half of the mile and walk the rest of it. And I figure every day that I try to run, uh, cause I'm going to be running, biking and, and walking. Uh, but every day that running is in my repertoire, I figure I'm going to get closer and closer to running that full mile. And then eventually that'll get easy. And then I'll add more distance yeah. to it. Um, and, uh, yeah, the whole the whole goal is whoever loses the largest percentage of weight loss from their original uh, official weigh-in. So I'm at I was at 234 pounds, which um, is definitely the high the most I've ever weighed in my life. I used to be around 
back in high school and most of college, I was around 145. I don't want to go back to those days, but I want to get back to an ideal weight for my height, which is about 185. Um, I think in the next four months, which is when the contest is running, uh, my goal for that first four months is to get down to 200, so losing 34 pounds. Um, Good for you. That's so, awesome. So it should be, uh, from what I've heard and talked with people, it should be a that is a realistic goal. So, um, so I started today with diet and exercise, the good old good old fashioned way. So yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's exciting. And I did mention to people that uh, if I reach my goal of two hundred uh, pounds by the by October twelfth, then I will have another contest uh, sponsored by myself. Uh, from stuff from my own collection as well as stuff that I'll pick up in Baltimore and that'll go into a prize package and even though Baltimore Con will happen before the contest ends um, I am that confident in myself that I'm going to reach that 200 pound mark that I'm willing to pick up stuff at Baltimore to put in that prize package so um, so that's going on. Also, I wanted to mention, because I forgot to mention it last episode, is Altered Egos uh, had an interview episode the same night that we were interviewing Mike Costa. Uh, and they were gracious enough to mention our interview on their show. And I wanted to make sure I mentioned their interview guest, which was Steve uh, Engelhart, who has had a long history in comics. Uh, he's been he's written uh, Captain America, Justice League, uh Pretty much, you name it from DC or, or Marvel, he pretty much wrote it. So uh, it's a it's an amazing interview. I've listened to it uh, twice already, and it's uh, well worth checking out. So I wanted to give a little plug for them as well. Um, anything else going on, Chuck? That you wanted to mention? Uh, yeah, I was also talking to X from Altered Egos, and he wanted me to let Robert know that there's a standing invitation uh, for Robert to appear on their show and talk about GI Joe. So. If- you wanted to, Robert? You got another invite from uh, Altered Egos. Yeah, just have them um, shoot me an email and we can work out the schedule. I love, you know, I'm always happy to do it. So Yeah, I will make sure that uh, I get them some uh, your email contact and let them know. Cool. Awesome. Uh, well, uh, since this was a Dark on City crossover, I thought it's appropriate mm-hmm. that we end in a proper Dark on City fashion. <laughs> so what you heard is true. <laughs> Uh, nobody is perfect, therefore Chuck Norris must be nobody. <laughs> so we'll close again by saying the force will be with you. Because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, guys. <laughs> Have a good night, guys. You too. You've all seen how Orko's magical tricks don't always go the way he planned. Sometimes they backfire on him. The same thing is true of practical jokes. Sometimes they don't go the way you planned, and you or someone else can get hurt. So be sure and think twice before playing a joke or a trick on anybody. Might not go the way you planned, and someone could wind up losing a finger or an arm or maybe even an eye. And no joke is worth that, is it? See you again soon.